Broadcasting from deep in the Eublifaris galaxy, on a small planet called Gekonia, east of the albino hills and south of the raging leucistic river, comes the one, the only, Gecko Nation Radio. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Gecko Nation Radio. Today is May 18th, 2014, and I'm looking outside, and there's still light out at 8 p.m. on the East Coast, and it's a good feeling. Uh, pretty sick of that winter. I'm glad it's over. Uh, tonight, we got a great guest. Uh, his name is Sean uh, Gray from Night Glow Reptiles, and uh, Sean's making a lot of noise out there. He's got some great projects, and uh, he's uh, been posting a lot of beautiful pictures of uh, leopard geckos that he's working with, and he works with uh, quite a bit of other species, too. He's got a pretty diverse collection. Uh, I've talked to Sean several times during my uh, late-night cleaning and feeding of my animals, and uh, he and I are kind of kindred spirits in a sense where we are up late doing what we love, and when you're into this big time uh, like we are, uh, you know, it, it doesn't matter what time of day it is. You know, your animals, they need... Uh, to be fed or cleaned, you, you have to do it. You know, it's not like you can just let it go. Uh, they rely on us and depend on us, and uh, he's definitely got the same good ethic about caring for his animals. Uh, so I'm looking forward to this interview tonight. Uh, I think it's a little bit overdue to have him on, so um, it's going to be fun. And for the occasion, I have a very special co-host, Mr. Daryl Burton. Daryl, you are live on Gecko Nation Radio. Hi, Dave. How are you doing this evening? Doing good. I think uh, I hope you don't get too confused. We're going to have two uh, two people on with Texas accents tonight. I hope we can figure out who's who. <laughs> well, what do you think? Yeah, I don't. I don't think uh, Sean and I'll be confused. It may be a little troublesome for <laughs> for you. <laughs> well, that's what I'm thinking. Uh, <laughs> but I think it'll be fun. Um, well, what's going on in your collection, Daryl? Man, I'm just sitting here watching these uh, little little eggs hatch and having a big time so i think kate and i are up to 10 hatched now and and about 40 or 50 or so eggs still incubating and and uh mm-hmm. so we're having a big time i was telling you a little earlier that uh <laughs> your uh what was what did your wife say today to uh which 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 comment is that dave <laughs> about have, about you being on the radio show. What did she say? Oh, yeah, she, she said that uh, she was going to have to talk to you because the stardom would be going to my head. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> well, I think uh, I think you're a terrific co-host, and I think you're, you're doing a great job with your geckos. And, you know, you can go ahead and tell her that your fate is sealed, that you are totally on the path to becoming a complete and total gecko addict and there's no turning back for you (laughs) oh i think she realizes that she's uh been around me long enough to realize that whenever i do something well i try to do it to the best of my ability so she's 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 used to it you see that's cool well it's good that you got that kind of support some people just don't have that you know they have to do it all on their own so to speak so you know you're lucky that way yeah, she, she's not a big reptile lover by any means. I mean, she still is uh, totally opposed to snakes, but we're working on that. But the babies are <laughs> sure getting her attention, and, and 
melting the heart, so to speak. I think I think the babies are the key to getting her more interested in them. Mm, well, that's that's cool. Yeah, well, she likes it. Well, I mean, who doesn't like a little baby leopard? Because they're adorable, right? I mean, exactly. Yeah, she yeah. likes the little. Well, she so doesn't like the big one. She doesn't like them to get big. Well, see, maybe we can't stunt their growth, right? Or make uh, hobbit-sized uh, geckos. Maybe someday, right? Exactly. There you go. All right. Well, folks, uh, tonight um, Sean is going to be uh, uh, graciously giving us a uh, prize for our nightly uh, our nightly call contest uh, raffle that we do. And uh, the way the, the raffle works is uh, to encourage everybody to call in with their questions and comments. Um, we we give it. You know, we leave it up to the guests, usually if they'd like to give out a prize, and then tomorrow or the next day in the group Gecko Nation uh, that, that accompanies this show, um, I usually uh, post a video of where we pick the, randomly pick a name of someone that called in. So if you guys would like to be entered into the contest, um, give us a call tonight during the show, and I will take as many calls as we can during the time frame that we have. The call-in number is 646-478-5331. Again, it's 646-478-5331. And uh, before we get further into the show, I must go ahead and give some airtime to our awesome sponsors. And folks, our sponsor plugs are sincere. These people are really that great. Check them out. Gecko Nation Radio is a David's Fine Gecko's creation and production. You can visit the show's Facebook page at Gecko Nation Radio. I also have a great family-friendly group on Facebook called Gecko Nation. Apply for membership today. Gecko Nation Radio is sponsored by Ron Tremper is the biggest contributor to leopard gecko morph making. Known worldwide for his amazing examples of living art. You can now download his Leopard Gecko Care app, his Morph Encyclopedia app called Leopard Gecko Pro, and visit his site, leopardgecko.com, to see where morphs are made. GiantLeopardGecko.com specializes in giant and supergiant leopard geckos with a focus on selectively bred exceptional lines of many different morph combinations, including high-end African fat tails and crested geckos. With over 17 years of experience in herpetoculture, Keith Kiggins brings you quality, integrity, and value. Check out GiantLeopardGecko.com on the web and on Facebook. Reptiles Express is the absolute best live animal shipping company with great low rates. Debbie is the queen of customer service and will make sure your precious cargo gets to where it needs to. They also have a wide array of shipping supplies from deli cups, snake bags, heat packs, and more. Visit reptilesexpress.com and become a member today. And if you're looking for quality food for your dubia roaches, crickets, mealworms, and superworms, look no further than MS2 Premium Insect Chow. Made with reptiles in mind, it contains no dog food, cat food, or chicken mash. Using only vegetable proteins and high-quality ingredients, MS2 Premium Insect Chow will have your feeders making a beeline for it. Contact ms2ent.weebly.com or it can also be purchased at Rainbow Mealworms and AB Dragons. abdragons.com is your source for the highest quality dubia roaches. Whether you're starting a colony of your own or just need feeders for your insect-eating herps. abdragons.com can't be beat in quality or price. They are also a huge distributor of FlexWatt Reptile Heat Tape and have very competitive pricing. Check out abdragons.com online and on Facebook.
All right, folks, we are back. And, um, you know, one of the things that we we do, if you're, if you're like us and you're really uh, fascinated by geckos and reptiles, we try to find all these different outlets online to link with other people and uh, learn and uh, find out information about husbandry, morphs, history of these uh, projects and whatnot. And there is one place in particular online that is just better than all the rest and it's just totally awesome. What place is that, Daryl? You know it. What's that, Dave? I'm sorry. I was <laughs> I was I was not paying attention, buddy. I am sorry. Where do we go? What what's the name of that forum that we go to if we are completely hooked on geckos? Gecko forums, absolutely. I'm sorry. That's right. All right, check this out, folks. Go ahead, Daryl. Take a take a uh, snooze if you need to. <laughs> Did you know that since 2006, there's been a treasure trove of history and information on leopard geckos and other species? Well, Gecko Forums is the most extensive database of leopard gecko history on the web right now. Take a look and delve into the past, present, and future of this great community. The biggest contributors, breeders, and hobbyists have left their mark there. Now it's your turn. Look, learn, and post away. Need a place to post animals for sale? Look no further. Visit geckoforums.net and become a member today. Gecko Nation Radio is proud to be the official radio show associated with Gecko Forums. Herpentime Radio is my inspiration for GNR. Justin and JD do a terrific show every Wednesday evening at 6 p.m. Eastern and have an amazing archive of shows available for download. Visit them at blogtalkradio.com slash herpentime and on Facebook. Yeah, those Herpentine boys have been going strong for over two years now, right, Daryl? Yeah, and man, do they, uh, they they got it going on. I like listening to them as well. Yeah, yeah, great guys. They, I, I started listening to them about a year ago, and um, ever since I, I saw what they were doing, and they invited me on their show, and after that, the rest is history. I started my own little radio career, too, and we have a great camaraderie between us. Uh, Justin and JD are just great guys, and um, now they got a, just a very easy, relaxed uh, way about doing their show, and uh, they kind of just uh, you know they don't they don't think too hard about it. It's very candid and uh, just kind of flows. So I, I hope they keep going strong for another uh, many years, as long as they can. That's for sure. But um, I think uh, yeah, yeah, I think we can uh, jump right into our interview now. Uh, Steve uh, is not going to do the news tonight because he's off. He's in the middle of a move. Uh, so he'll be back with us next week. But let's go ahead and bring on Sean from Nightglow Reptiles. Sean, you are live on Gecko Nation Radio. Hey, guys. How are you doing? Good. How's Great, going, Sean. Sean. How are you? Doing good, guys. Happy to have you with us tonight. Um, wow, we've got a lot of things that we can cover, and uh, I think uh, it's definitely going to be a, one of those great episodes because you've got, you got a lot of things going on, Sean. you got... Leopard geckos, you got chameleons, you got <laughs> a, a possible uh, reptile pet store starting up. I mean, geez, you name yeah, it, you're doing yeah. it. <laughs> How yeah, do you we're, find we're time doing a lot. for all this? Um, you know, I, you got to make time. I mean, honestly, if, you, if you're getting onto a scale like we are, and, and I have a good support system, and Daryl was mentioning that with his wife um, earlier, but, uh, you know, my wife grew up in Missouri catching box turtles and things like that, so... 
she she didn't have a really broad reptile background, but uh, and she wasn't too keen on the leopard gecko thought at first, um, but now she's in love with them. I mean, obviously you can see her post as well, and and she names every gecko that we own, and and um, she's still kind of iffy about the snakes. She's not a snake fan. Uh, we've been working on that for a while. It took us several years uh, to get her to allow snakes in the house, but and and my kids are involved in it too, so. Uh, I'm also lucky to have really good friends that are local, that are reptile enthusiasts and 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 breeders now. And uh, any like you know, recently I had surgery and I had so many people that were willing to come and help take care of everything. And uh, you know, it's 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 a reptile community, but it's still kind of a reptile family. So it's it's nice to have people that can help you out when you need it. Uh, but you've got to be committed to it. I mean, it's something that you've got to do. Like, you know, David and I said we talk on the phone until 3, 4 o'clock in the morning sometimes. And, you know, we're up cleaning and feeding. And, um, you know, there's no rest for the wicked. So, <laughs> No way. Dave, you're going to have to conference uh, call us. All three of us are going to have to do that. That'd be a blast. Yeah, yeah we can do I'm that. I'm that. Dave and um, I have some, we have some great talks tonight. Oh yeah, and you know what? It's, it's, it's I talk with Daryl very late too, and uh, yeah, we could definitely do conference calls. That that's a good idea, actually. Um, you yeah. know, Sean, I just yeah, got a good idea. I, I just had a good idea. You mentioned that you finally were able to get your wife to allow snakes in the house. Maybe yeah. you can give Daryl some pointers because he's not even there yet. So well, yeah, yeah I, I was going to ask that question. I, I, yeah, <laughs> good deal. Well, I'm not. I've got I've got I've got twin girls that are really cute and whenever they start throwing crocodile tears her way, um, yeah, she kinda caves. <laughs> so it started off with a little baby corn snake from Don Shores and uh, you know, we, she she's but but one of my daughters is into the geckos now and one is into the snakes and um she uh the one's into the snakes, she she uh, she's taken in rescues herself. Uh she re- she researches the care. She's eleven years old now, so she's been doing this for a while. Wow. Uh, and There's she, your angle, Daryl. She can, yeah, she she's she knows what she's doing with them, and, and I trust her. And um, um, and it's funny, friends of ours that crossbone corns, um, Laura and Adrian, they breed corn snakes and different snakes, and we're really good friends with them. And Laura's actually afraid of geckos and lizards, and she deals with oh ferns and ticks and. So we do kind of bets at every show. We're always next to each other. So Lori has to hold the snake for a few minutes, and and Laura has to hold the lizard for a few minutes. So uh, she's still not fond of the snakes, but you know we have a few in the house that are pets only. And and uh, you know as long as they don't get out and, and you know sneak up on her and, on her in the bed, I think she's okay. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of the wow. way. The only way I got to start keeping stuff again was was my son so we started off with a pixie frog and then got a couple of tortoises and then some tarantulas and then slowly worked the geckos in and but she's still keeping her foot down on the snakes because Cade wants a pied ball python in the worst way that's what he wants oh yeah yeah well he's got good taste they're beautiful but uh, but yeah it's it's just you know the, the kids are a good angle but you know my kids like I said they're really involved too so and that was part of it you know we when we started taking on pets they had to yeah. have the commitment to actually research and care for them as well. So, and they've done a really good job. So, well, I think she's worried because she knew she knows that when I was in college, I had about four hundred in a spare bedroom, <laughs> and then she's seen the uh, gecko collection grow to about sixty animals and not quite a year yet. So, I think she's yeah. worried that if she lets me have one, that there'll be a hundred. Yeah, that's usually <laughs> how it works with us too. You know, it's hard for me to get one and not have a 
have something else to go with it. I, you know, the the plug and socket theory of if I've got a female or something, I now I got to get a male. So uh, exactly. I, I, I stayed away. I stayed away from that. We bred hog nose for a little while, uh, and uh, I've since moved on from that. So I, I've moved away from the breeding of the snakes. Now they're just pets. So. Mm-hmm. Well, so hey, I've got one question on you before we jump. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, okay, Dave. No, that's fine. Go ahead, Daryl. And then after that, uh, Sean, just jump into tell us a little bit about Nyquil Reptiles and how you got started. Okay. Go ahead, Daryl. Okay, first. sure. Yeah, no, he's talking about hog nose. Back in the day, back in the 80s, it, they were hard to keep if you didn't have toads. Yeah. Are they getting better as far as getting them on pinkies or, or, or well, something like yeah. that these days? Yeah, I mean, you can. The, the, a lot of people have learned how to scent, but I mean, most of the hognose that you see in the pet trade are all captive bred that have started on pinkies. So, you know, when we yeah. were back catching snakes growing up as kids, we were when they called them puff adders back then, was what my grandparents yeah. called them. Um, right. You know, we we didn't know what they would eat. I mean, we we would, but we had toads all over the place. So, you know, right. um, we just you know we just did what we could when we were younger, but. But now a lot of the, you know, the pet trade, you're going to see a lot of, pretty much 90% of them are going to be, um, are captive bred, and they're started on pinkies at, you know, at a young age. So uh, they've probably never even seen or smelt the frog. Um, and things come, you know, with scenting and things like that. I actually have a friend here that does a reptile rescue, and he's gotten a couple of eastern hogs in recently. Uh, and I've, I'm looking, I, I catch him toads now, and, and I'll, uh, I'll send him the toads. So he's in Waco. So, um, All right. But yeah, I had, I had one for a couple of years that I caught just north of Big Bend National Park, and I scented it. I scented pinkies for that thing for two years. Never did get it to eat a pinky. Yeah, it's fed it toads forever. Yep, and that's if that's what they're stuck on. You know, that's that's what they're they're used to. So, um, and, and the captive pet trade's kind of you know has, has allowed people to to really get into these snakes and see how beautiful and and really interesting they really oh, yeah. are. So. It's, it's pretty neat. Well, I, Dave and I have talked about that, just like the leopard geckos, and probably the same way with the hognose, all the different morphs they're putting out now. We've basically domesticated these things, so they're a whole lot different than the wild-caught specimens. Oh, yeah. You would be able to release uh, one of, something captured bread. It would not survive in the no. wild right now. No, not, absolutely. absolutely not. Okay, Dave, I'll, I'll get off the snakes, and you can get started. <laughs> well, yeah, no, no, that's cool. I think we got a good flow going anyway. Um, but, yeah, no, just want to tell us about uh, NyQuil and how you basically got started and what you're doing right now. Cool. Well, you know, like like Daryl and I said, we just talked about, you know, growing up, um, I grew up in South Texas in, like, the Coastal Plains area. So there's a huge diversity of, of animal life. And, um, you know, started off when I was seven or eight years old, um, catching anoles, box turtles, sliders, um garter snakes, rough earth snakes, Texas rats. Uh, I grew up kind of in a farm, and, uh, you know, my, my mom would always be screaming and yelling, there's a there's a chicken snake in the in the chicken coop, and, of course, you know, those are rat snakes. So I would never, she would always want me to kill them, and I would always keep them and hide them and, and you know, raise them up and uh, had these old rabbit cages in the back of our property that I had probably 50 rat snakes in um, that she never knew about until now, and she's, still mad at me about that but um so I, I grew up and i had these huge terrariums i built my grandfather owned a wood shop and uh, so i built these huge terrariums with screen mesh and i had breeding colonies of anoles and frogs and crawfish and this huge like naturalistic you know terrariums and uh i learned how to you know watch for males and females in the anoles and um uh, made them stacks of, of uh, cinder block tiles so they could lay their eggs in and 
Uh, every spring, no, no fail, I'd have 30 or 40 new baby anoles running around, and I would just let them go. Um, so it, I always kept, you know, some kind of animal. I always had some kind of reptile uh, or, you know, some, something, amphibians, you know, turtles, tortoises, things like that growing up. Um, when, you know, whenever I got into college, though, I kind of had to leave all that behind and, uh, you know, started a family early and, and kind of got away from it for a while. Um, and then uh, my wife now and I met, and she told me about the box turtle thing. Um, and so I started off with a, a baby bearded dragon for my son, just like kind of what Daryl was talking about, and started getting back into it and researching. And um, one of my little daughters, um, one of the twin girls, had some allowance money. She didn't really do anything for it, but we called it allowance money. And we went to pick up a red-foot tortoise from a breeder here in Dallas, up in McKinney, and they had a little normal baby leopard gecko. It was $15, and that's what she wanted. And so we purchased that gecko, and we absolutely fell in love with it. I started researching. Uh, that's when I joined gecko forums. Um, I you know, did as much research and digging as I could. And we learned all we could about keeping them, and you know, we decided we we'd breed. And a little shop um, that used to be up here in in, uh, Valley View, um, north of Denton, they were going out of business, and they had, I think, 10 blizzards. That's all they had was blizzard leopard geckos, maybe one normal. And so we went up and purchased all of them. And we still were new to the genetics. We're still learning, which we're all still learning genetics, but this I was really, really green. Um, So, you know, we started breeding, and... um, we started buying geckos and we started looking at breeders and um I'm you know, Kelly Hammock of his, she lives lived here, um, uh, not too far from where I live and, and Brian Jett um uh lived here and we actually drove all the way to Oklahoma City to meet them both. They were bidding at a show and um we bought God, I don't know, I think we spent like a thousand dollars on leopard geckos that weekend. I mean we just went crazy. Um and we just, it, the bug was there. I mean, and Brian Jett's still a, a great personal friend to me. Uh, Kelly since moved away. She's uh, in St. Louis now. Um, yeah. But I leaned on them very heavily because Kelly's done this for years and years and years. Um, you know, she had produced some of the, the newest morphs. From, you know, she produced several new morphs. Uh, but her bell lines just amazed me. And, um, and Brian always stuck to the rainwater side. Uh, so, you know, I started off with trimbers and blizzards, and then I just started branching in, and I fell in love with the bells, and um, about seven or eight years ago, this all started going on, and then we started producing, you know, maybe 20 babies a year, and then 30, and then 50, then, you know, we produced 100, and and then we actually took a year off. We were nightglo geckos before, and if, if you go back and look at gecko forums and you look at any old posts, it used to be nightglo geckos. That was our thing. Okay. And and the night glow name came, we were just, my wife and I were sitting in bed one night, and geckos are nocturnal, and some of our geckos were so bright that they looked like they were glowing, so we stuck the name night glow, and that's how the name nice. starts, or started. Perfect. So, but, you know, we'd always, I, I've always wanted other things and always kept other species, so it eventually got to the point where we were having people asking us, hey, can you do this, or hey, can you produce this, or hey, look at these chameleons, and my mind's racing, and so we, you know, we've expanded into night glow reptiles. But the majority of everything and our passion is always going to be leopard geckos. So 
Um, the Nightglobe Geckos moniker still sticks at some of the shows that we used to vend at. We'll go to those shows today, and they'll still give us our tags to say Nightglobe Geckos just because that's what they knew us at. So, um, <laughs> but, you know, one $15 normal gecko turned into nearly 500 now. Um, you know, we, we actually took a year <laughs> off, actually. Uh, we, we took a year off a couple of years ago. Um, and we consolidated down. We uh, we sold a lot of our breeders, and um, we got down to like 20 or 30 geckos total. Um, and a lot of that stock was from Eric at Oregon Gecko. And, and when Eric um, Bristow decided he wanted out, uh, Lori and I purchased the rest of his animals, and that just fired us up even more. So uh, we still have everything. You beat me to that by geckos. a couple of weeks, I think, too. I was looking at some of the stuff. <laughs> Yeah, Eric. Eric and I were—we uh, never really met, but we were kind of like you and I were kindred spirits, and we still talk on the phone. And and he doesn't have—he has his three pet geckos he's had, you know, since he was a kid, basically, and and uh, that's all he has. But we were lucky enough to get some of the crazy projects that came from him, and it, you know, it sparked some of the new stuff that you're seeing from us now. Um, you know, it's, it's finally getting that point where we're producing, you know, what he started, and we kept that legacy going. So it's a lot of fun. Let's talk about some of that kind of stuff. Quick synopsis. Yeah, let, let's let's talk about especially the most the, the the project I'm most interested in um, that you're working on from from Eric. I think is the the Halloween mass crosses. And uh, yeah. you were telling me that you know you have some Halloweens that are crossed with the Afghanistan kids. And what mm-hmm. else did you what, what do you have going on with the Halloween stuff? Um, you, we have the Afghan Marine crossed into the Halloween now too. Uh, and I know I'm just mm-hmm. uh, last night we got back from the show here and I had two Afghan bold Halloween masks. I don't know if you saw those pictures. I posted them up yesterday. Um, the babies, and they right? were the first. Yeah, yeah, um, I did. Those are just stunning to me. I, that's I, I just love that project so much. But um, Eric noticed something in the Afghan Marine um, that kind of sparked an interest to cross it into different. Things and that's the like the mad scientist mentality that you and I talk about. That's that's kind of how I look at it, you know, uh, mad scientist mm-hmm. slash artist, you know. Um, but the Afghan, right. the Afghan, and the Halloween and the bulb makes just a, a, just an intense contrast. The color is so bright. The the bulb markings are they hold their saturation, and the bulb marks are thick and you know they're heavy, and I love that look. Um, and so, and my wife is a snow person, so when we get snows out of that, she's even more ecstatic. Um, so, you know, with the Afghan Emmerine, it just, it, it does something to the pattern and the color that just looks different. Um, and I, I don't want to really say too much, like, I'm not 100% sure, but, you know, David and I talked about this before. I can look at an Afghan Emmerine that's had Bell and an Afghan Emmerine that's had Trimper, and I can tell the difference. Uh, and it's taken me wow. a while to get to that point, but I think there's something visually going on with the heterozygous gene in the bells because the trimpers and the rainwaters look similar. Um, so, you know, it's something that we've been trying to progress, but our ultimate goal is to have basically, in real, I mean, it may not happen, but a solid green and black gecko would just blow my mind, and that's what Eric was going for, right? Eric's, if you look at Eric's website, you can kind of get the sense of where this is going, uh, he's in Oregon, so he's an Oregon, Oregon Ducks fan. And his logo is still on his website. It's still up. It's the is the lettering for the Oregon Ducks. It's OG. Uh, and green wow. and black is his favorite combination. So the thinking was is if we could get that emerine to stay and that color saturation to stay and take the place of those whites and those yellows, 
that we could produce a green and black gecko. And we're getting very, very, very close. If, if any of you guys saw the, the snow marine that I posted a couple of weeks ago, uh, the body is almost solid green. It's got the black and white on the right. head and the tail, but the body is just green saturation. And that's Where did you post this one, Sean? Uh, I posted it on, on Gecko Nation, too. Uh, I, can, I can post some more pictures later this evening on it. Um, it okay, but it's, I'm going to take a look at yeah, I saw that there. one. That one was really nice. Really, yeah, really nice. But, but, you know, Eric started this, and I didn't want to just start crossing whatever into it. I wanted to kind of keep that project going because I saw the potential in it. And in the next couple of years, I think it's going to pay off. It's something that's uh, it, it's a passion of ours, and, and you know, that, would be, that would just be a stunning gecko in my mind. Um, you know, I can see it in my mind, and it, it's it's getting close. That that's our goal. Great. Yeah, I'm the same way. You know, I I was lucky enough that I stumbled onto Dave, and of course Ron Tremper. I went to Ron's place last July. You know, and was mm-hmm. just amazed and in awe. And of course, I took Cade, and it was like going to the zoo, yeah. looking at everything and. You know, and then stumbled onto Dave, and then Dave turned me on to John for the wild types. And, you know, I, basically my first season, I'm just breeding everybody else's project and not trying to really do anything on my own yet, trying to well, figure out know, how to do this crazy. Well, you know, you've got a good support cast around you, too. You know, like David's been doing this a while, and, you know, the the the, the Facebook group is really becoming its own entity where, you know, there's there's a lot of people on there that are educated and have been doing this a while, and they give good advice. But my only advice to you getting started is is breed what you like. Don't breed what you right. think somebody's going to buy. Breed what turns you on. Breed what makes you exactly. happy. And that's most I'm, I'm lucky enough to be sure. old enough to where back in the snake days in the 80s, it, you know, that's, that's me. I, I was fortunate enough to have that mentality going in. Yeah. So it helps a lot, you know. There's, well, you know, there's you know, lots of things, there's lots of stuff out there. But yeah, you're right. You got to do what you love and love what you do. Exactly. And, and I and I did it. I I started off the wrong way. I, I admittedly, I started off thinking, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I knew enough not to cross the albino line, things like that. Um, but you know, I started off thinking, okay, well, this is going to be cool. Let me just breed up, breed all these blizzards together. Well, I'm going to get blizzards. Um, that's not what I want. So <laughs> nothing against blizzards, but it just wasn't what I wanted. Um, and then right. when I met, like I said, I met Brian and Kelly, and I saw the, the saturation and these colors and these bells and these radars and the tames. And I remember back when my first, oh, we, our first gecko that we hatched was a, was a normal. And it was a, an incubator that I put with a light bulb uh, attached <laughs> to a desk lamp with some cups and a little styrofoam cooler and a little digital <laughs> crappy Petco thermostat. I mean, it was like, it was so rigged it was not even funny but it was our first gecko and i was excited about it you know uh and then Absolutely. but when i saw all these crazy colors my ultimate goal when i first started breeding is i was going to produce a radar that was my main goal and it took me you know it took me a while to get there because i started after i decided okay this is what i want to do then i wanted to do it the hard way which is probably not the best idea, but it was my idea, is I want to start with hets. I'm just going to start with hets, and I'm going to make my own geckos. I'm going to start sure. with a bunch of normals, and I'm going to breed them until I get what I want. And that still continues to this day. I mean, I and, and I only purchase geckos from a very few group, a very small group of people, if I do purchase. Um, right. But I still, I still like going back to the normal, just pure normal with the genes and, and crossing them and, and 
getting to that point, it makes it so much more worthwhile. Um, yeah, and yeah I you're talking about building incubators and stuff. You know, back in the 80s, we were just trying to keep snakes alive or, or lizards uh-huh. or whatever and not really knowing how to breed them. And then the, the first incubator I ever built was made out of plywood lined with styrofoam and used the old one-inch water uh, heat tape that you wrap water pops with and cut oh, yeah. the thermostat out of it and hooked it up to a yeah. wafer and, you know, shoot, <laughs> I hatched out thousands of Burmese python eggs doing that. So you, you can yeah. do it if you want to. It's just uh, oh, yeah. you, you got to have the intestinal fortitude. Yes, yeah, you do. Yeah. What? Actually, also, I only homemade have one. ones work the best. Do right. I? The homemade incubators work the best. Actually, that's what I was going to say. I only have one incubator that I didn't make myself, and that's the Reptivator. That's the first Reptivator I ever bought when they first hit the market, and I still have that one. But, well, and you guys saw it. I don't know, if Daryl, if you saw it, but I posted a how-to on one of my rep, my incubators, and I I, I did. Just, I like doing it myself, you know. It's it's more cost-effective for me, and I know I did it. So, you know, it makes it makes it a lot more fun for me. So I'm the same yeah, way. I've got a little mini around. monster that... Yeah, I've got a little mini monster cooler that I've converted, and I'm working on a six-foot Dr. Pepper cooler right nice. now. Yeah, so. that's probably what I'm going to be headed into next. <laughs> Cause, yeah, Man, they're great. You know, this little monster, I was telling Dave, you know, you get, the, get it all set up, and it is just perfect. It just holds the temperature perfect. Yeah, that's how this little one I just built is. That thing's great. I love it. and I have no fluctuation yep. whatsoever, so it's it's fun. But yeah, the whole plywood boxes we used to do that with too, with, and we put hay <laughs> in the bottom of them. Uh, it was <laughs> right. nuts, but but we did whatever we did, you know, we did we did, we did whatever we could, you know. And I used to dig holes out in the yard for the turtle eggs, and I'd put uh, uh, little tomato plant wires mm. around them. Um, right. For the for the sliders out, they'd come out of the pond, and I'd go get the eggs, and I'd bring them into my yard, and I would dig a hole and bury the eggs, and put tomato wire fences around them and wait till they hatched. <laughs> just because that's all, you know, that's what, what, what the mama was doing, so that's what I was doing, so. Right. What do you think, um, Sean, what do you think about uh, the, your, you know, you, you were talking about, you know, green and black. Now, do you, you notice if um, the hypo, if there's a hypo effect at all, or, or is, are these, is the contrast staying in every single baby? Like, do some come out lighter than others? Um, yeah, or is, it, is, it, is it consistent? You're, you're getting some hypo. You're getting some hypoing out. Um, and like the one I did post, it, it's pretty much hypo. I mean, there's not much black on the body. Um, and I think the way that Eric was thinking when he started this project, well, the Halloween mask, or even maybe even the hyperxanthics, and we've considered that too. Uh, but those Halloween masks with the bold stripes and things like that, they keep that dark black saturation and don't usually hypo out, um, depending on the strength of the genes, you know. I mean, the, the, the bold stripe and things like that, they're all polygenic anyway. So by selecting the certain animal that has, you know, some really thick, bold markings, uh, and going into the emmering, well, you're pro- yeah, you're probably going to get a few hypos out of that. Um, but mm-hmm. that's that's the fun about that's the fun with line breeding and trying to get to that point is it's trial and error, you know. And, and mm-hmm. we're still erroring, you know. <laughs> we're not yeah. trial parts there, but you know, we're still not quite able to isolate what what's going on really in those genes. We can all guess and and think, okay, well, if I put these two together, what am I going to get? But we really don't know. Uh, we don't know as much Darryl's, as we think Darryl's we do. brain's ready to explode right now. Watch. He's going yeah. to jump in on this one. <laughs> Go ahead, Sarah. Well, no, and, 
but but yeah, you, you see what I mean. I mean, like you can get some hypos, but if you give up, then what good is it? You know, you've got to keep going. Yeah. And and I set a clear goal exactly. in mind when I talked to Eric, and this <clears> is what I want to get to, and I'm going to do whatever I can to get there. Um, and Even that, if it that's takes just ten years, right? Yeah, no, yeah, I don't care it. if it takes ten years. Yeah, don't care. Yeah, I mean, look at right. it. It took them fifteen generations to make those black knights. I mean, you know, you can spend. Oh, yeah. I bet you you can do yours in about five years. Yeah, I mean, we, and it's already a well-started project, too. I mean, Eric has some really good genes in his geckos. So, um, you know, I know that the genes are there. Uh, and we did produce a, a snow, uh, you know, a snow eclipse from that project. And uh, we've there's a, there's a few babies in there that I haven't shown pictures of that, that have some really good promise in this project. So uh, I, I, don't, I don't show everything, <laughs> if that makes sense. Right. Um, don't but, yeah, don't you also work on the... Yeah, exactly. Y'all have to keep your your uh, your mad scientist stuff under wraps and keep it away from all of us. So I understand that. Well, you know what? So. It's not. It's not even. It's honestly not even about that. It's there's a lot of people that will they're naysayers and 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 want to stir sure. up drama and things like that. And I'm not about that at all. I'm all about positivity of doing this. So I'd hate to come on Absolutely. and say something like, "Hey, I'm working towards this project," and then have a bunch of people tell me, "Oh, you're you're crazy." And it, it may add right. fuel to my fire because if somebody tells me I'm crazy, I'm just going to work twice as hard. But but I know the genes are there. Uh, you can't sure. you can't look at a gecko with with orange or you know, lavender or you know those those bright almost red colors and and not see that there's potential in in, in some crazy combinations. The, the, the colors are there. And, and, you know, I mean they're they're in the genes. Just unlocking them and isolating them is what we're working for. Yeah, and, that, and, and that's the thing that, that I see with. You know, that's kind of, I was going to say that's that's what's so great about this is the fact that you know, like you were saying, you, anybody, you know, you guys out there that are listening, you got to pick something that you like and that you know that definitely motivates you. And for instance, this project of his, his vision and all his enthusiasm and energy is going into it, so he has a really good chance of succeeding. It may take him five years or more, but you know, if you have the drive and if you know what you're doing and you you have a vision for a certain these geckos evolve and almost do what you want. Wouldn't you say so, uh, Sean? After you know, oh, you really get the hang of this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, and it's good, you know, to ask questions, ask questions, ask questions, ask questions. Don't be sure. afraid to ask questions. But you, if you look, okay, and David, this kind of goes to the artistic side that we were talking about. You look at a color yeah. wheel. Anybody that has been in art class, look at the color wheel. You've got red, blue, and yellow in the color wheel. Well, you've got lavender and geckos. You've got orange and geckos. So you know you've got red and yellow. And if you've got the lavender, then you know you've got the red and the blue. So you've got emerine, you've got the green, so it's there. So it's it's not about if they exist. They do exist. The colors are there. Uh, I know that um, um, Rebecca uh, Hassler, um, amazing geckos, but her extreme lavender project... Oh, yeah, she's so great. Her Extreme Lavender Project blows my mind. That's something yeah. that that shows you. That shows you the potential. It's not even unlocked yet. She's just scratching the surface with that project. And I, I yep. think she's really going to be on the cutting edge of, of doing an all-lavender gecko. And you're going to see yep. it. But those colors overlap. And if you get those colors yep. to overlap, you're going to get different shades. So it's not, it's not impossible. It's not impossible. I think just hasn't. Just I think that's key too. Yet. I think, 
Yeah, I think it's key. You have to have the vision. You've got to be able, like you say, you've got to be able to vision it, and then you've got to work towards your goal and stay yeah, focused. Absolutely. You know, and I mean, yeah. and, and you know, Ron has said it numerous times. We're, you know, the, the, the whole leopard gecko morph making colors is it. We're just on the cutting edge of this. Oh yeah, absolutely. We have we haven't yeah. seen we haven't seen the potential fully fully come to bear yet i, I mean we, it's coming you're right there's going to be in the next few years there's going to be some wild stuff oh, i mean yeah. you're already seeing I, it but it but it's, yeah, it's no, going to get and, better and, and better and better it's it's fun to be part of it too you, you know what and, and sure. i won't get frustrated and this is another thing that people have to realize if you start out on this if you're working on a project that you think nobody else has done and you see one pop up in somebody's collection don't get frustrated because somebody might beat me to this project that's fine with me. It's my it's my goal. I'm still going to work towards it. So you have to have to keep pushing. Um, so exactly. you know, don't 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 get frustrated by other people posting all these crazy morphs that you never you never think you can get on. You know you can get your hands on. Like I said, my first my first goal was to produce a radar, and I was ecstatic. But I produced probably twenty or thirty radars now. I still think they're the most beautiful thing on the earth. I love that. Bells are my favorite, but. You have to keep going. You know, if you see somebody else yeah. do it, well, just work harder. I mean, just keep doing it. It doesn't. It doesn't affect oh. you in whatsoever. No, and exactly. you don't really know. You don't know that other breeder's level of commitment. They may be. You know, they may get out of it in two months and not even be involved anymore. You don't know. So. To, yeah, absolutely. You know, to give up on something. To, yeah, to give up on something would be just foolish. And who knows? Um, I think he. I think JMG said something one time where they were you know, working on something for like three, four, five years, ready to give up, but they didn't. And then, boom, it happened on that, that next year when they almost gave up. If they would have, yeah. if they didn't stick stick it out, you know, they wouldn't have hit on it. And that's just it. I mean, I mean, these, these guys, I think in a lot of ways, a lot of us out here are, are making history right now. And if all goes well and we're able to keep this, this uh, hobby of ours, this passion, this industry, community, I think 20 years, 30 years, you know, I got the, the sky is the limit, and 20, 30 years from now, people are going to be looking back. They're going to, they, they may find this archive of our shows, and and when they'll be hearing, wow, that's listen to that. That's Sean Gray. He's the guy that made the first green and black gecko. And what about that guy, <laughs> Daryl Burton? You know, Daryl made something cool. Remember them? You know, and who knows, man? You know, we we don't think any, we don't think we're special or anything, but history may yeah. remember things differently, and we don't know what the future of this is. I, me personally, I happen to think that this is going to be huge one day. I mean, way yeah. bigger yeah. than it is yeah. now. So, yeah, uh, you know, just look at the leaps and bounds that have been made over the last 10 years, even. You yeah. know, I mean, I, I've got a buddy of mine that used to breed normals and, you know, back in the late 80s uh, to the early 90s, you know, and back then the everybody was trying to get the, you know, high yellow. That was that was the big game back then, that you know. That was mm-hmm. You know, and he and he came he came to my place a couple of weeks ago and was just looking at the few geckos I've got, and he says, "Man, I am just amazed," because he doesn't breed them anymore. You know, he yeah. said, "I'm just amazed at all the stuff that's out there." And, you know, and his big thing is, I showed him a super giant sun glow that I got from Ron. You know, that's that's pretty good size, and then a Murphy's Patternless that's you know 115 grams, 110, 15 grams. You know, and he's like, "Wow, now that's a gecko." You know, I mean, yeah. because, you know, back then, you know, they're talking, you know, 50, 60 grams was as big as they had, you know, maybe Absolutely. 70. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
you know. And, no, you're so, right. Yeah, you're right. Just, you're, really you're, right. You were dead on when you said we're on the cutting edge of this and we're right on the edge. And and you know, David and I also mentioned this the other night. We talked about it a little bit. You know, there, there's not there's nothing to say there might not be another albino strain pop out from something. Uh, oh, it, I hope you not. know, it's. Yeah, I know. I hope not either. But, but you know, it, it's a possibility. It's going to take a couple of years or three years to prove it, you know, that it's actually there. But And you're going to have people that, that are disagreeing with it. But, but we don't know. That's the thing. is, We haven't decoded the entire leopard gecko genome. Exactly. Exactly. So, so we yeah, don't know Dave and I have talked about this. It's all a numbers game. You know, the more people are breeding geckos, the more eggs are hatched every year, mm-hmm. the better your odds of, of cracking something new. You know, yeah. I mean, the the one that's coming, and I think, and it, you know, maybe this year, maybe ten years from now, but we're going to get a true melanistic gecko, and oh, that yeah. is going to be the game changer. Is is what I'm. My my prediction is, if we ever do get a true melanistic, that'll be the game changer for sure. I, I yeah. think so too. Yeah, I, I think a true melanistic would would be something that would be, and you know, with 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 what's come out prior, you're going to have some doubters. But to prove it out to be mm-hmm. a true melanistic leopard gecko, it, it would be a big thing. Yeah, if you think oh, about just, just just the crosses that are running through my head right now. See, mad scientists exactly. kicking in, like you know. I mean, there's so well, much. Well, look what it did in the corn. Bug. Look what it did in the corn snake game. You know, when they got the melanistic, the you know, come out. You know, I mean, that, it just changes everything. Yeah. It just throws another wrinkle in well, everything that's, that's already out so there. It throws one more wrinkle. Yeah. yeah, that's what makes it so fun. I mean, that's 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 the fun that people miss out on. I think when they when they give up on stuff like this and and what hatches out of the egg next is is exciting to me is when I first hatched that first normal gecko. Every single day sure. I see a little head dipping out, and that's probably why you see so many pictures. And I apologize for that, but it's that exciting to me to this very day, and it will continue to be that way. Now. We also have to, I mean, I'm, I'm lucky enough to have my kids involved in it. I don't push them into it, but they're involved in it. So they're the future of what I'm doing. Um, and mm-hmm. that's a legacy that I want to leave them. I mean, I want them, you know, to, to learn about the genetics and the scientific side of it and, and actually have the passion that I do for it. Uh, and I'm lucky enough to, you know, that they actually love to do this. They do the shows with me. They'll talk. They will tell you how to take care of a leopard gecko probably better than I can um, sitting at a table. If, if you're a customer that comes to our table, they really can. And it's because they actually do it and they know how to do it. It's not like I make them do it, but they're that enthused about it and that interested in it and ask questions. And they, they know the morphs and the genes and uh, it's fun. And it's family time too. So it's a hobby that I enjoy, my wife enjoys, my kids enjoy. It's something we get to do together. Um, it's, like I said, it's, it's fun. It, that's the biggest keyword that I can tell you. If, for anybody that's listening that wants to get into breeding leopard geckos, if it's if it's a job to you, if it's a chore, it's probably not the best thing for you. Yeah, that's that's a key right there. I mean, I mean, uh, to to do this on any kind of significant significant scale, you really seriously have to have to love it. It's got to be in your blood. I mean, seriously. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're up late. We're up really late doing what we have to do, and you know, we still got to do everything else that life entails too. So it is a double yes. job. It's a double full-time job in so many ways. Um, you know, Sean, um, we we talked about on the phone. Well, we talk about so much stuff, but um, I want to talk a little bit about uh, husbandry tonight with you too. Some of your some of the sure. ways that you care for things. But um, before we do get into that, I want to just remind everybody that tonight we're going to be taking your phone calls with Sean. I see some callers in the queue. Um, 
The call-in number is 646-478-5331. Again, it's 646-478-5331. And, Sean, what did you want to give to our raffle tonight for a caller? Uh, we're going to give free shipping on any purchase of any amount of geckos. If you want to order one or 50, free shipping. And for any purchase, we'll also throw in 1,000 medium uh, lateralis roaches. Uh, and oh, then cool. if you want to order awesome. roaches, you can go you can go to our website on, uh, to order the roaches as well at nightglowfeeders.com. Okay. Well, I, I think don't, let's don't, go ahead and take Don't let Brooke call in. Don't what? What she now? Always wins. Don't let Brooke call in. She always wins. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't Not really, me. Brooke. I'm just playing. <laughs> she's in the chat room. Um, yeah, she's <laughs> a, she has gotten lucky quite a few times. And trust me, folks, I do not rig the random thing picker. It's, it's all random. She's just very lucky. <laughs> but uh, let's go ahead. We're going to take a caller that's been on the longest, and I believe that is um, one of our loyal callers. That's Elsa. Uh, Elsa, you are live on Gecko Nation Radio. Hi everybody, how you doing? Hi, Hi how are you doing? Hey, I was I was delighted that that you are into uh, blue tongue skinks. Can you tell me about blue tongue skinks and how you take care of them, opposed to maybe leopard geckos or 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 crested geckos or? Yeah, you you hit a good nerve on the blue tongue skinks. They're uh they're they're one of my my next loves. Um. The blue tongue skinks are, if any of you guys follow us, we we recently started breeding them over the past few years. Um, they're they're pretty large lizards, so uh, our enclosures are a minimum of six foot by four foot. Um, we use a combination of, um, um, sorry, uh, shredded aspen and um, peat peat moss mix, so that they can burrow. Um, they need UV light, so we have uh, mercury vapor bulbs on one end, a basking spot in between 90 to 100, 110 degrees on the hot side. Uh, and to keep that hot side uh, or that basking spot warm, we use uh, ceramic tiles underneath the basking light, and they love to lay on that and bask. Um, they're omnivorous, so they'll eat pretty much anything you give them. Um, we do supplement with a lot of greens and, and vegetables, squash, things like that. Uh, you don't want to you don't want to feed them anything too acidic, um, nothing like citrus or uh, acidic berries or anything like that. Um, uh, you feed, we feed um, frozen thawed mice sometimes, uh, every once in a while, uh, as a treat mainly. Uh, but ground turkey um, is there is probably one of the main staples that people will feed their blue tongues, um, and they love. They love hard-boiled eggs. It's like one of their favorite things. Uh, so hard-boiled mm-hmm. egg with ground turkey, that's like a premium meal for them with some, with some you know, nice leafy greens in there. Uh, that's, they're in heaven. Um, oh, yeah. We handle them constantly. I mean, they're big. I've seen videos of people walking up these things in the wild and just picking them up and just they're like a pet. Um, yeah. So they're they're a lot of fun. They're really, really long lived too. Uh, and uh, we produced that. We only produced three babies last year. We'll probably, hopefully, have babies dropping very, very soon. My girls, both of my girls, are very, very anxious and rather aggressive at me right now. They're not too happy with their their swollenness. <laughs> but um, but care is pretty easy. They're they're very, very, very uh, easy to take care of and. and um, they're also, if you have any husbandry issues or mistakes, 
uh, they usually recover very fast from those. So it's not like they're so delicate that you have to worry about everything being specifically, you know, exact. Uh, so they're very tolerant. Yep, great for beginners. Very, very passive, docile uh, lizards. Absolutely. In fact, uh, yeah, I've had one for 20 years, and actually a pair. Well, the male I've had for uh, 20 some, well, about 20 years, and the female I've had for 19. They've been breeding every single year up until last year. Was the, they stopped breeding? Um, oh yeah. So go figure that out. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing lizards. And yes. Yeah, that's that's next title. on the list for me and Cage is blue tongues. Oh yeah, oh, they're, cool. they're, yeah. they're absolutely. That was one of my son's first after beside the bearded dragon was was his uh, was his blue tongue, and we thought it was a boy, so we named it Jabba, and it's a girl, and her name's still Jabba, <laughs> but uh, she actually will well she'll lay on his chest while he's playing video games and just fall asleep on him. I mean she's that yeah. she's huge IJ girl, and um, you know they're just they're so much fun. I love those guys. Yeah. Did that answer your question, Elsa? Or? Um, I, I muted her because her phone gives feedback, but she, I'm sure she's happy oh, gotcha. uh, with your cool. response. We'll go ahead and grab uh, we'll grab this next caller. Caller uh, from wow, they've been on a while. Caller from the eight one four area code. You are live on Gecko Nation Radio. Hi, caller, are you there? Eight one four. Hello. Oh, okay. No, all right. We'll take the next one. Caller from uh, maybe they had a blue tongue question. Yeah. 816, you're live on Gecko Nation Radio. Hi, Sean. Hello. Hi. Hi. It's Heather Johnson. Hey, Heather. How are you doing? It's Heather. Hi, Heather. Hey, Heather. Hi, I hear your voice again. You too. You too. Been a while since we chatted. Yeah. I don't really have a question. Anyone that knows me knows how much I love Sean and his babies. Yeah, Lori actually yells from the bedroom. Heather? Huh? Heather. Lori actually yelled from the bedroom, tell her I said hi. So. <laughs> hi, Lori. <laughs> I love you guys. You guys, I mean to tell people that you can't buy from nicer folks. I, I love Thank you guys. Thank you very much. You're really good people. Thank you. You're all awesome well. I don't have a question for you, but... Oh, come on. You, you know, you've got a question. I sat here and I'm sitting there thinking, what can I ask him? But you know, the only thing in my mind is my next baby has it hatched yet. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe. <laughs> yeah, maybe. No, if, if you guys have, if have looked at any of Heather's pictures, I'm I'm like in such awe of, of how she's done. Um, uh, she started off meeting us really timidly at, a, at, a, at an expo in Kansas City and. Uh, we've become pretty good friends from talking, and um, you know she got an amazing gecko from us, and then she got another it's one, and it turned out to be a boy. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, so we, I mean, you know, Heather and I talk all the time, and uh, you know, and, and this goes, you know, we, we all make mistakes, but at a temperature sex female, beautiful gecko, um, and it was Olive, and it turned out to be Oliver. Um, so, so I, I'm I'm I'm, uh, I'm hatching out. I'm, I'm waiting for to make sure I have a good good a good enough male for her, and I'm gonna I'm gonna switch female. out a male for or a female. Sorry, mm-hmm. I'm gonna switch out a female for Oliver. So there you go. Yeah. So, when are you gonna be a guest on the show? Huh? When would you like to be a guest on the show? Oh goodness, no! I'm just a newbie. No way. Oh really? No. <laughs> Me too. You got you got to start somewhere. 
Yeah, we're gonna do we do shows for new people. We're gonna keep doing those every once in a while. Yeah, you should. You should, Heather. You've uh you've done it the right way. I'm 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 very, very impressed with what you've done. You've done a great job. So you should be a guest. Well, I definitely I I truly only started as a collector. I really liked high end geckos, but I truly never planned on breeding. I really didn't. But lightning is one of those that just kinda oh, I just Everybody kept nudging me, and I thought, yeah, he really is nice and would make really nice babies, and he did. He makes really <laughs> nice babies. Yeah, he does. He did. He did, and he was yeah. a very good boy, so. Well, whenever but you surpass me, I, I, yeah, well, whenever you surpass us, I just want to make sure that we go back and say, well, Sean told me lightning. It was one of my first geckos, and I'll just be oh. happy to ride your coattails, so. I, I tell everybody, I, I love you guys. You know that. Uh, you yeah, know. we love you too. We can get my next one. Yeah, we absolutely will. We'll see. Sounds good. All right, thanks for calling in, Heather. Bye, Heather. Bye, Heather. Bye. Cool. All right. Yeah, that's funny. Uh, well, that's funny what? you say that, Sean. I was talking to Dave last night, and he'd sent me a couple of Exantics and Hyperxantics and one of them's Eclipse, and, man, yeah. she's turned out really, really nice. And I told him, I said, yeah, I look at her. She's ovulating, so I throw her in with the male, and there's just no no activity, not interested in nothing. And and I think, well, so I'm cleaning cages, you know, and watching it, nothing, nothing. So I finally take her out, put her back in hers, and take him and put him in a container and weigh him, and I'm cleaning his cage. Pull it out, well, there you go. It was temperature sex male, but uh, mm-hmm. it's not a male, it's a female, so that's why there was no interest there. <laughs> yeah, and it, you know it happens. I mean, even to the best of us, we we do what we can, and and you know we we make sure we let people know that their temperature, sex, there's no guarantee. But you know, and Heather, the 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 male that she ended up getting from this was just I we temperature sex female, but it was just if you go back and look at her old profile pictures, it was that baby that has the red and green stripes on it. Uh, mm-hmm. It was one of the most stunning babies that we produced, and um, along our red stripe emerine project, and so. It turned out to be Oliver, and so, you know, and Heather's bought from us before, and I'm going to end up buying geckos from her, and, uh, you know, so I'm just going to swap them out. I'm going to, I'm going to make sure I've got her a nice female, and I'm going to get old Oliver back, and he'll probably go back into another project for us. So, no there harm, no go. foul. Yeah, it happens. It happens to the best of us. Sometimes they sure. change, like, they look like females up to, or males. I mean, no, they look like females up to, you know, like 30, 40 grams every oh, yeah. sometimes. Yeah. I've had them switch almost overnight. I mean, yeah, I've, I've seen yeah. them. I mean, I've had 35-gram geckos that I'm like, come on, get another 25 grams on you. I'm going to breed you. And, oh, crap, you're a male. <laughs> it <laughs> right? happens, you know. It yeah, happens more in snows, and we talked about that, too. Yeah, the sad thing is I hadn't even been paying attention. I just assumed. And so, you yeah. know, when I find the female ovulating, throw them together, nothing. And then, then I look and say, oh, wow. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, I should have caught that earlier, but oh, well. Yeah, do what you can. Yeah, exactly. All right, guys, listen, we're going to take a a quick break, and um, we're going to carry on with our conversation with Sean in the second half. So everybody stay tuned and uh, check out this message from our sponsors. Gecko Nation Radio is a David's Fine Gecko's creation and production. You can visit the show's Facebook page at Gecko Nation Radio. I also have a great family-friendly group on Facebook called Gecko Nation. Apply for membership today. Gecko Nation Radio is sponsored by... Ohio Gecko is famous for amazing tangerines, snows, and other 
very unique leopard gecko projects. Thad also has some incredible fat tail morphs available from stingers to starbursts. Visit him online at ohiogecko.com and at expos in the northeast. He is also the owner of geckoforums.net. Dale's Bearded Dragons is your one-stop source for any reptile supply products that you may need from Exoterra, Zoomed, Rapashi, Repcal, Fluker, and much, much more, and all at 20 to 50% cheaper than your local pet store or big chain pet store. They are also the biggest reptile supply distributor at most of the Northeast Expos. Contact them directly online at dalesbeardeddragons.com or message me on Facebook and I'll put you in touch with the owner. Supreme Gecko is a great source for crested geckos, day geckos, and other species, including micro geckos. Wally Kern is a top-notch breeder and gecko enthusiast. Visit supremegecko.com for his available animals and supplies. Gecko Boa Reptiles is your source for the highest quality leopard gecko morphs and wild types, from white and yellows to radars, amazing tremper morphs, and rare subspecies. John is a world-class breeder and extremely knowledgeable. If you're looking for something truly special in geckos, contact John Scarborough at geckoboa.com and on Facebook. Rainbow Mealworms is the largest worm grower in the world and selling to the public since 1956. If you need the highest quality mealworms, superworms, and crickets for your pets, contact them at www.rainbowmealworms.net. Okay, everybody, and I want to remind everyone that uh, three of our sponsors have standing promotional codes for great discounts on, our, on their products right now. Um, number one, abdragons.com has um, a code uh, GECKO, all in caps. That's going to give you 5% off your order, and they have Doobie Roaches and Flexlot. So if you guys need any of that, use that code GECKO. It's good all the time. Uh, also, uh, Rainbow Mealworms is giving a 30% off discount uh, till the end of May. And, now, and it's good for your mealworms and superworms. And you could use the code uh, for two orders. All right. The code is Gecko Nation, all in caps. And uh, feel free to go to their site, RainbowMealworms.net, and order your worms for your geckos. And last but not least, Reptiles Express is giving 10% off any order over $40. And that is good, I believe, until the end of May as well. Um, use the code Gecko Nation 10. Okay, all in caps, and you're going to get a great deal on supplies or on one of your shipments. All right. And uh, I just want to thank all of our sponsors for what they do for the community, and uh, it's it's just a it's just a lot of good stuff going on, a lot of camaraderie, a lot of help, and uh, I don't know, it's just a, it's just awesome. Great people and great businesses. I'm so happy to have these particular sponsors, especially on board with the show. All right, so we're going to go ahead and bring back Absolutely. my co-host Daryl and Sean. Now, Sean, in the second half tonight, uh, we have a bunch of more callers lined up, so I'm thinking why don't we uh, start with some calls and then uh, transition sure. into some of our other topics. Absolutely. Right. Cool with me. Cool. Cool. Okay, I'm going to grab the next one that's been on the longest here. Caller from the uh, 530 area code. You are live on Gecko Nation Radio. Well, hey, hey Gecko Nation Radio. Daryl, Sean, how's things going? Going good. Going good. Good, good. Yeah, I just I just wanted to add to the to the last caller up, Heather. God, she's producing some nice stuff. First year breeder. Um, she's got an eye. She's a natural. 
Yeah, she's doing a really good job. Really good job. Yeah, it, it, and it, that's where I started seeing your stuff, Sean. Was um, she she started posting it. It's like, oh man, right on. <laughs> so that's, that's I just yeah, wanted really nice stuff to to, to add yeah. that in there. She's she's done it right, you know, and, and she she bypassed all of the stuff that I was earlier on with just trying to breed and not knowing what I wanted to breed. She knows exactly what she wants to do, and, and she works really hard at it. And, and uh, you know, she's become a valuable resource for other people that are just starting already. Uh, she is a natural. You nailed it. Yeah, and, and you couldn't yeah. you couldn't meet a nicer, per- nicer person. I mean, when we first met her, um, you know, it was kind of uh, it was kind of shaky. You know, she was very, you know, uh, she, she didn't know us and, and was kind of hesitant about purchasing from us, but... You know, we we guarantee all of our animals, and uh, like I said, we became friends after a while. So, uh, you know, I mean, but yeah, she's she's got a great eye. She knows exactly what she's doing, and and she does a good job of it. So, and she's not afraid to ask questions either, and I, and I like that. So. Yeah, no, that's that's good. He's he's a good black Facebook and, presence too. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. The the black and green emerine thing you're you're going for. That's, that sounds that sounds really interesting. I, I know there's different lines of emerine. Um, are you are you using a particular line, or do you want to share that? Or well, my emerines came from a couple different sources. One of the one of the oldest sources that I have, uh, I have the one of the original girls here that she's 14 years old, um, and she looks like a normal leopard gecko. But she, um, for a friend of mine um, here locally. He, um, he started producing some crazy little green babies out of it, and find out that it had some of the emerine gene in it, and uh, he strengthened that. He strengthened that line through line breeding after several years. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the the emerine genes that I work with, um, they tend to hold their saturation. And and I know you've, if you've seen Heather's adult geckos, what they look like. Yeah, uh, yeah. Most, people, most 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 people are having problems with their when they're purchasing emerines from 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 someone who doesn't really into them that much, and they're hypoing out and they're losing that green color. Uh, and they kind of look washed out when they get to two or three years old. Well, our goal is to make that green stay. Um, and that's, mm. it, it takes a while to get to that point because you may have a crazy green baby and it looks amazing, but you're not sure if it's really going to keep that green saturation through adulthood. So, uh, we, like I said, we only work with a few lines um, that we've you know, made into our own little batch um, and we've got it going. And uh, <laughs> Hard emerine is kind of a, a word that's kind of loosely thrown around sometimes. Yeah, um, yeah. So it's but, hard. It's hard for me. To, it's hard for me to go out and purchase another emerine line to add to ours. Uh, we outcross it um, with, with the pure Afghans and things like that. Um, that's you know one of those other crazy projects that we work on. So um, we, we kind of keep it internal. Um, if, if some of my friends came up with some crazy new emerine stuff, um, you know that, that I purchased from, I'd probably jump on them. Uh, but but most of uh, most of them came from the guy here locally uh, and uh, from from Eric Oregon Gecko. That's the two main emery lines that we we put together. Yeah, no. I, At the I, end I, of the I, day, uh, they're just tangerines, right? They're by, tangerine byproducts. That's what everybody says. It, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, right? it's, it's a tangerine that just shows that green influence. But now, in like we were talking about isolating that gene, we're getting to where we're seeing that green stay, uh, and you know mm-hmm. we're losing the tang coloration, and the green is overtaking it. So, um, yeah, that's what I've noticed about yours is that it looks like it's um it's sticking to them a little longer. Yeah, and, that, and that's that was the goal. I mean, and that's the goal. If we're going to do something that has the black in it, we have to make sure that that green is strong, uh, because it, we don't want it washed out between the black and the yellow. We want that green to stay, and uh, yeah. that's that's the thing. It's it's got to be something that's not it's not going to whenever we if we if we do produce it, which I I don't think you know I think we will. 
uh, it's going to be something that's going to pop you in the face. I mean, it's going to be green and black. It's not going to be something that kind of looks yellowish and has some black marks on it. It's going to be bold Halloween mask, heavy-duty black, and just really, you know, deep green, rich green saturation. So. Yeah, no, that's that sounds like a really cool project. I've, I've played around a little bit with the, the greens and and emeries. I've It's obviously not the same line, but, um, yeah, it's... And it's hard to get it's pictures of it. <laughs> it is. It is very hard. Like in, it, it, natural light is the best one for for the Emory natural light. But uh, you know, over the years, it's gotten to, that that green has stayed longer. So it's it, you can capture it a little with flash. But I mean, and Heather, like she, you know, she get off the line. She can tell you, and you can tell us that you you, you can't capture that that color, that emerald color. It, it yeah, just doesn't come through. So no, yeah. I, I, I can see it in yours. <laughs> I, 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 you know, I can recognize it, see it through, and I know it's got to look way better in person. Yeah, the Emery's fun to work with. It is a lot of fun, and you know, and, and uh, like I said, it's kind of thrown around loosely still. But you know, there's there's people that actually keep those Emery lines, you know, intact, and then you know, we're hoping to be one of those people. Uh, I think it's something that needs to be preserved. I don't think it should be washed out. Sure. There's too many projects out there that have been you know, thrown around like that that have been washed out. You know, I've seen a lot of that with Bloods. Um, a lot of these oh, Bloods that have... <laughs> I remember, like, Bloods were, like, deep, deep maroon and, like, crazy contrast, and I loved them. And, um, you know, it's 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 being outcrossed a little too much in my mind. Um, there's there's, there's line don't realize that it's, <clears throat> Yeah, people are, you know, breeding Bloods to non-Bloods and then calling the babies full Bloods and... You know, yeah, you got to be blood to blood to keep that going, and they're not doing you, it. They you, don't you, understand you, how the you see, you see, Exactly. You see that with Emmerine, too, where, you know, I have two mm-hmm. two major separate lines of Emmerine, and, and my outcrossing is if I produce four or five generations, well, then I can take those four or five generations from those two separate lines and cross those together. I'm still keeping the yeah, Emmerine right. gene there, but I'm introducing new blood. You know, I'm not inbreeding like right. that. So, yeah, you parallel uh, lines. Exactly, parallel lines, and uh, that's that's what a lot of people don't see when you're when you're working with these 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 projects for so long is you've got to keep it really really close knit. I mean, you've got to keep those genes there. You you can pair it with one gecko and you can wash the whole thing out. Um, and yeah, that's, I, that's the fun and the frustration of it. So yeah, right. And something else new. Yeah, when you're dealing up. with the polygenetics, you gotta you gotta keep it <laughs> tight. Yeah, that's for absolutely. sure. Yeah, I've noticed that with tangerines. Some of I outcross yeah. some of my tangerines. Well, actually, with a parallel line, and, and uh, uh, some of, some of the babies I got this year are really uh, they're tangerines still, but they're really washed out. They're yeah. not the deep red anymore. But I didn't want to go another generation without um, I don't know introduce, introducing new blood. Outcross. Yeah, outcross. Yeah. Yep, exactly. uh, so I know I know next year they'll be better. <laughs> Right. Yeah, absolutely, and that's that's the NC. You know that you didn't give up on it. They're washed out this year. You're going to keep going. He'll probably produce some crazy, amazing blow your retinas out orange next year. You know? Oh yeah. <laughs> that's why we all. That's why we breed leopard geckos. I mean, you know, <laughs> that's yeah. fun. And, I mean, always in next it, year. In it too deep yep. to back out now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yep. Crazy. That's what. That's Not what, to change the subject, Jeff, but are you close to all the fires up there? Or are you you you're oh, far no, away from? No, that's all Southern California. I'm I'm way up north here. 
not yeah. right. We've had a few, uh, not too far from here, but um, no, I'm in the middle of the forest, so you say fire, that's that's the F word. <laughs> 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 no, we, we get them bad here, and um, yeah, some years we get them real bad where you can't even, you go outside, you can't even see across your own yard. It, the smoke's right. so thick, and it rains ashes, and yeah, it gets real scary. We've evacuated a few times, but knock on wood. <laughs> there you go. Hey, Sean, not to change the subject, but don't you also work on the Limeade project as well? Yeah, and the Limeade actually, um, it, it's not, it's not, and I have to clear this up, it's not a new morph or anything like that. Um, our, right, right. Uh, a friend of mine here that, that started producing the limeades is from that same emerine line. Um, and he started getting some really hypo emerines, and when he crossed it with the snow, he started seeing something different in it. Um, so we took that project as well and ran with it. Um, uh, and so that's part of that. That project is going into what Eric started so right. that's where it, it's kind of co it's coincidental that I happen to be on both ends of the, those two projects, and putting them together has produced some crazy results. Um, so I think we're closer than we were last year already to getting that. Uh, but, but the limeade is basically, it, honestly, it's like a hypo snow emery, uh, where you're getting less and less of the yellow, and you're getting more of the green in the, in, in the green and the white. Uh, in the snow line, the black yeah. speckles from the snow, uh, but you're not getting that. It's not changing the yellow. Uh, it's it's keeping that green color, um, and uh, so that's what he called the limeade when he started hatching them out. So it's kind of just a, a nickname, honestly. Um, yeah. I'm not I'm not one to come out and say this is what it is, and you know I've been working on stuff for a, a while on those lines, and honestly I could probably come out and say this is my line of gecko, but I, I mean it's really not. It's still it's still genetically that's what the morph is. Um, so that's just the nickname we gave it. So, but that's what the limeade is, and Landon Smith works with a few of them too. He got his from the same guy, uh, from Matt, and uh, not Matt Darren, Matt Kaplinski here in Dallas, and. Um, so it, it's something we, we're continuing. Um, you know, we, we figured we had that line and, and Eric's, and we're going to join them together, and and we're going to you know try to try to make something crazy. So, uh, but yeah, I, keep I me in mind on those. I'm definitely line. interested in I'm definitely interested in the limeades. I sent yeah, you a post I, I, early I, on about that. Yeah, I, and, I, and I'll be posting more pictures as they come out, and we'll, we'll probably actually release some of that line later on this year. Um, we're kind of. Uh, we're kind of being stingy with our geckos this year because we have so many that we want to hold back. And uh, I know sure. I need to, I know I need to move some, but um, you know I've got so many crazy projects that I'm, I'm, um, I'm holding on to a few things here and there. It's, uh, it's hard to do, huh? Oh, it's hard. It's so it's hard real. to choose hard. What, what to let go because you know you'll. <laughs> You don't know if you produce another one like that. You want to? I don't know. No, They're all mine. You can't oh, have them. <laughs> oh, I've I've I've, uh, I've cursed myself several times before for for selling a gecko that you know looked okay as a baby, and then people send me pictures because I always love to get updates from customers. And, and oh yeah, I, that's I, I get these from Heather the when Heather first when Heather first sent me the picture of lightning. Whenever he started like showing his true colors, I was like, dang it, what did I yeah. do? But I could, it couldn't have gone to a better person. I mean, honestly. So that's that's the kind of stuff that it, it's it's you're like crap. <laughs> I should have held on to that, but I've always got you know more. I've always got more eggs cooking. I've always got a lot more in that project. So 
Uh, yeah, she, yeah, I did that to Dave, didn't I, Dave? I talked to you out of that one Infinity Project female, and after she grows <laughs> up a little bit and put some weight on, I sent him a picture. He said, oh, my gosh, why did I sell that one? <laughs> Give me Hell that yeah, I do that all the time. <laughs> I, mean, I, I get that, too. I'll get, I'll, get, I'll get younger geckos from somebody. I'll get something from Brian or something, and, and I'll show him a picture a few months later, and he's just like, I'm so stupid. I should have never given you that gecko. And I'm like, yeah, I'll give you some babies. Uh, yeah. Work this in. But, but no, the limeade thing is a good question because, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I don't mean to try to mislead anybody, but I'm, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to figure out exactly what it is, what to really call it. You know, I mean, it's, it's still the, right. it's basically an emmerine, but it's, it's losing the tang influence. Um, right. So it's just more like a uh, more like a hypo emerald snow cross kind of thing. It's it's weird. The genetics are crazy though. It's it's pretty interesting. I'll, uh, I'll probably need to do is go and do a post of some of the the limeade stuff that we work with, and you can kind of see the progression and, and see what it is. So it's it's pretty neat though. It's fun. Yeah, that's cool. Well, you keep my name in the hat. If you decide to get rid of any of those, I'm definitely interested oh, in them. It's yeah, still called yeah, a project, so you're not yeah, trying still, to say it's a new morph. No, so. <laughs> no, no, it's not a new morph. It's, it's just yeah. something we're working on. No, those are cool looking. I, I that was know. that was more like his pet name to it, so that's what we stuck with. Yeah, sure. All right, cool. Let's go. Let's uh, move on to another caller. Hey, Jeff, thanks for calling in, bud. I appreciate it. Oh, thanks Jay for having man. me. See you, Jeff. All right, cool. All right, have a good one. All right, cool. All right, let's take caller from the caller from the three one six area code. You are live on Gecko Nation Radio. Hey guys, it's Angela. Hey Angela. Hey, Angela. Hi Angela. So, I don't have a lot of time here because I snuck away from our flooring project to call in. So yeah, I was wondering how you got on. I was wondering uh, how you snuck on. We got about hundred and fifty square feet left to go tonight. So nice. anyway, there um, you go. Hi, Sean. Uh, Hi. I thought I'd give you an update. Do you remember the, the black hole I bought from you? Oh, absolutely. He's the most spoiled, rotten gecko ever. But I moved my be. computer desk. Well, yeah, <laughs> but I moved my computer desk near my quarantine rack, and every time mm-hmm. I sit down, he comes to the front. And he will sulk if I don't pick him up and play with him. That's probably my fault. <laughs> probably. <laughs> he's, he's adorable. I love him. I love him. He's amazing. I'm so glad. I'm uh, so glad. But um, what I was actually going to ask about is uh, the the whole organ gecko thing made me remember. I picked up mm-hmm. a, a bold Afghan male from Christie last fall that originally okay. came from Oregon gecko. Yep, and he absolutely. is so bold. I mean, I cannot get a good picture of him to show the contrast. It's yeah. amazing. Do you work with the pure Afghan bolds at all? Did you get any? Because yes. Yes, I need a female that's as good as he is, and I haven't known my blood yet. I have some some absolutely pure Afghanicus um, that I've outcrossed into other projects, uh, and and you know I've gotten some geckos from Christy. Christy and I are kind of like the same too in that aspect. Uh, we we were friends with Eric, and when Eric had his fire sale, I think Christy and myself and Brian, Jed, and maybe a couple other people like jumped all over it. But um, but yeah, I absolutely have some. I actually have some Afghanicus from it, from separate lines too. So um, I have. Probably six, I think, breeding right now, pure Afghanicus. Uh, and 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 the thing with Afghanicus is, if you look at a really a, a really nice pure Afghanicus, you're not going to see a whole lot of yellow. It's going to be small splotches of black, but they're going to be really tightly compressed. Uh, it's like it's like a normal gecko, like got the shot of melanin. Melanin. Um, so 
but if you're looking for that that Afghan bold stuff, like the, like the Afghan mm-hmm. Halloween bolts that we hatched, those were from two separate lines that we bred four years ago to produce the Afghan bolts, and then we crossed those back into pure Afghans to make sure that there was that much Afghan blood in it, and we've kept going back mm-hmm. and back back and forth to get to that point. Um, so yeah, some of those will be available for sure. Hmm. Okay, I might have hmm. to send you a picture. This this male, he's just he's spectacular. I just got the first baby out of him like just the other day, and it's this fully striped, dark little thing. He's adorable. So I love him. Yeah, Ashton awesome. does a lot of crazy stuff with the genes too. So yeah, absolutely yeah. send me a picture, and then um, um, hopefully when we're up in you're you're coming to uh, Wichita, right? Uh, yes. Yes, okay. that's when like thirty Wich- minutes from my house. So oh yeah, perfect then. Well, when we come to Wichita, I might have some things. If not, we'll work something out. Cool. Awesome. Sounds good. Okay. Well, I would love to chat more, but I really have to run back and <laughs> get back on flooring, guys. So thanks. Right, have fun you guys have a great night. Thanks, Angela. <laughs> Later, Angela. Bye, Angela. <laughs> Bye. All right, cool. All right, folks, and we can take more calls. So if you guys want to call in, again, the number is 646-478-5331. Uh, Sean, one thing that I want to get to before we get sidetracked with anything else. And why don't we talk a little bit about TechSarc and what you're, what you're doing with that, because that's important. Um, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up, actually. Um, so everybody is, is fully aware of what USARC is. Um, and what USARC does is on a federal level, they, they, they try to protect our rights as reptile keepers. Um, yep. And it's great. USARC is great. We support it. Uh, we're actually going to start donating part, portions of our feeders uh, for money raised for that to USARC. We we help with the fundraisers for US. Actually, I'm wearing a USARC shirt right now. I didn't realize that, but um, it's for the greater good of, of the herp community. And um, what what Texas has done is we have so much. We have so many different. Um, areas here that are on, not on the same page. Uh, on a federal level, the laws are pretty cut and dry. Uh, but in Texas, it's down to a city, state, local um, level. Um, and so what we're doing is we're going after those, those regulations on that local level um, to, to try to fight some of these bans. Um, and I've talk, told Dave this before, but I, I live in an area called Hickory Creek, and I'm on Lake Louisville here, but two blocks away is Lake Dallas city limits, and you can't have a leopard gecko there. You can't have anything really? that's non-native in that town. Yeah, absolutely, because oh each that's city crazy. makes their own laws. Yeah, Each city in Texas makes their own laws regarding their city or city ordinance regard, in regards to reptiles. And it's just been in the past few years that these have started showing up on these municipal codes. Uh, so we stay abreast of all these and, and kind of watch these areas. But I can go next door, you know, two to two blocks down or whatever, and I can own a rattlesnake and a coral snake and, uh, you know, venomous snakes that are native, uh, but I can't keep anything that's non-native at all, nothing. Uh, so when the, when the shop uh, idea came up, and we've been working on this for a couple of years, uh, you know, there's a prime location right here. It's close to the house, highway frontage. It was great. No. And it didn't say in the city ordinance what the actual laws were pertaining to reptiles. It just said no dangerous animals, including like wolves and lions and things like that. But when I go to the city hall to ask for the permit for the certificate of occupancy, I get shot down. Um, right. And this happened to Wilson County, and this is how Texarc started. In Wilson County, there was an entire county decided they were going to ban all snakes that were non-native. And uh, I don't know if any of you guys know Jason Royer from Royer Reptiles. 
Uh, he lives in Wilson County, and he is a, one of the one of the I mean one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. But uh, it's amazing collection of, of ball pythons and and boas and other reptiles. He's he's a reptile enthusiast, but his main passion is ball pythons. Well, they actually hired an attorney and went and fought it and won, uh, got the ban overturned. Um, so now that we realize this is what we need to do to fight these laws, Texarc has been formed, um, and actually our own Ron Trimper is on the board. Um, he is right. he he is our uh, board member that helps with the uh, the captive um, uh, all, all the captive breeders. Uh, so he represents us as captive breeders. Um, Jason Jason is the president. Uh, we but we have Ron Trimper. We have several extremely well known and, and high ranking vets on the board. Um, a lot of people that um, are in the uh, that do these educational expos and, and shows. Uh, Adrian and Laura from Crossbone Corns, they're both teachers. They both have their masters, uh, and they are on the board as well. Um, and, so, and so the thing is is to, to break it down to that local level to go against, to fight these bans, to fight these laws that you know could infringe on our rights to keep these animals. And we, we, we just try to spread the word to people to let them know that there are organizations like this, and hopefully the other states will start taking that and, you know, um, it, uh, and running with it, you know, we might see some more branches pretty soon in Oklahoma and Arkansas and Louisiana uh, starting up as well. Um, but the legislation thing and the ordinances are so tight here that there's not there's not anything to, there's not anyone to police it. And so this is why Texarc is has done. They put together, uh, you know, a great board uh, that that know what they're talking about and we know how to fight these laws now. And uh, we're going to start fighting. We're going to start going after these laws and getting them overturned. Um, and if it's happening in Florida, and Florida's not doing anything about it, and it's going to it's going to infringe on a lot more than just the big the big snakes in Florida pretty soon. Uh, and when people start realizing that they're going to start taking your dogs and your cats away, people are going to be awake. Uh, but right now, anybody that you know, if you tell them what U.S. Art does, if you mention Texarc. Uh, in Texas, at least, uh, we would appreciate it because um, it's not just us. It's every single person that keeps – if you have one leopard gecko and you're listening to this show, this is going to affect you. At some, at some time, this is going to come up in your area. Uh, and, and for us to be on the forefront is, is pretty pretty special. So um, you, can, you can go check out TexArc on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash T-X-A-R-K. Um, and uh, – if you have any questions or anything, you can uh, email us at textarc at yahoo dot com. Okay, and we're cool. Yeah, we're completely nonprofit. None of the board members take a salary. Everything we raise is five hundred one c three, and everything goes back into fighting this, leg- this legislation. And U.S. Arc is completely yeah. sponsoring us. They are behind us. Phil Goss has been to the shows with us and sat at our table and watched what we want to do and been to our board meetings, and he's a hundred percent behind it. So. Uh, it's going to be a good thing. I like that. I like that. And, and Sean, are you willing to help other people out there across the country that if they want to start their own uh, division Ab- of that, will you guide them yeah, a little ab- bit? Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's what that's – we are, like I said earlier and we were talking, we're a hurt community, but we're a hurt family. We're a reptile family. Uh, I've never, ever in my entire life growing up had as much support from other people that are reptile keepers and enthusiasts that, that I have well, since I've been doing this, uh, we are people that will help one another regardless of the situation, uh, and that's it's great to be a part of this. Uh, and this 
the, the things like this with the fear mongering and, and the city hall, it takes one person that sees a snake crossing the road to freak out and go to the city and tell them that they don't want people having pet snakes here. Um, and it shouldn't be. It doesn't have to be a pet snake. This could be a wild snake, but this is what's happening. These cities are are passing these laws because their citizens are voting on them because they think they're a danger. I'm sorry, right. I've never seen a dangerous leopard gecko. I mean, I've I've gotten a couple bites from scared ones, but I mean, really, uh, you can right. you can keep your rattlesnakes and and I'll keep my leopard geckos. So, um, but it does that. It doesn't mean that that they can't pass that law where I'm at. Um, so we're we're trying to fight it. And uh, anybody that wants any more information, you can feel free to get a hold of me. Uh, if you know Jason Royer, he's the president. Uh, you can look him up at RoyerReptiles.com. That's R-O-Y-E-R, Reptiles.com. Uh, and uh, easy guy to talk to, great guy to talk to. He uh, he does talks at NARBC. We had a really good meeting here at NARBC where uh, Ron came and, and uh, you know, set in and every board member was there. Um, so it's good stuff. Um, uh, it's it's going to change a lot of the – it should change a lot of the perception, too, because education is the most important thing behind this. Um, you, we Absolutely. have to educate people, um, and we have to keep abreast of what the laws are. You have to be able to know what your regulations are in your town. I bet you right now, anybody listening can go and look at their municipal code and or somewhere near you, and you will find a law that bans the geckos or the turtles or the lizards or the snakes that you're actually keeping in your home right now. Um, so being educated is, is our is our number one tool to fight all this. Now, you think those Absolutely. laws are easily overturned in some cases, in, in some state and some well, municipalities? The Wilson County was the first one ever in the state of Texas that got overturned, um, and it was the entire county. It's not just a city ordinance. This was a county ban, a countywide ban on every snake that was non-native, and they got it overturned. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had the, the problem is is when they when these people go in to pass these laws, they take their side in, and no one from the herper reptile community even knows half the time these meetings are going on. So we don't have representation there. Well, now we know. Yeah. We we have we have vets, we have doctors. Uh, I mean, we have people that are business owners going and standing up, to, you know, for our rights as keepers. And these people are seeing that we're not gonna, we're not backing down anymore. We're actually going to stand mm-hmm. up for ourselves, uh, and that and it's important. Yep. Um, and you know, I, I've started reading, um, I've started reading the Barker's book, um, uh, Invisible Ark. Uh, and if you guys haven't read this book, you've got to get this book. Uh, and it, it addresses. I won't really get into it that much, but you look up the reviews or look Google in the Invisible Ark um, by the Barkers. Amazing, and it goes right along with what we're trying to do. Yep, absolutely. I'm I'm through like chapter six of this book, and I I have a hard time putting it down. Uh, It's it's amazing. Interesting. Now, wow, you know, it's like anything else today too. These politicians and these governments, the government officials, and um, you know, they will take away whatever they can until we push back. And the problem is, absolutely, there's this mentality of complacency today with people and you know if it, if it's if they're not if you're not knocking on if they're not knocking on your door you, people aren't getting off the recliner chair and doing anything about it's, it so exactly yeah right. i mean and it's scary that that this is the mentality and you know we're be, they're purposely distracting us with all these other nonsensical things but and then mm-hmm. while we're distracted they're slipping these you know major laws and bans and stuff past oh, yeah. 
it's really it's really well you saw that you you saw that in in Florida just recently where they where they passed a bill that had nothing to do with reptiles, but they mm-hmm. slipped a part in there at the end of it that had a ban on certain snakes in this in this county, and mm-hmm. everyone voted on the actual topic of the bill, but they didn't see that everything under the, you know that was slipped in at the end there was was that had to do with the reptiles and, and that stuff happens all the time. Uh, that's how they do it. Sneak, sneak a little piece in there, and then then the sky's the limit. But I mean, it's really to the point now where you could lose the right to keep your own leopard gecko, or your your dart frog, or you know your ball python, you know your your blue tongue skink, your 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 tortoise. I mean, you could lose the right huh. to keep anything like that. Yeah, so yeah. we've got to fight it. So if anybody really is interested and they want to they want to learn how to you know if if they want to try to get organized and, and get something going in their own state. Uh, you can contact Phil Goss. He'd be more than happy to explain what they do. Uh, he's the one that we leaned on very heavily when when they started talking to Texarc. You know, when we started talking Texarc, and and Jason Royer's done an amazing job of getting this started. And and I'm 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 not trying to I'm, I'm not on the board or anything. I'm I'm just one of the volunteers. Um, but I'm I'm passionate about it. So anybody that has an ear to listen, I'm going to let them know how this how it works and and what we need to do. So. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Good, good, good. I, you know, I think you're. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's. I think you're, uh, you know, the perfect guy to not only represent tech art there, but you know, also to you know help recruit other people into it. So, you know, I think you get the right energy for it, Sean. You know. Cool. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Yeah, I'm. I'm very passionate about it. So. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a good right. Why don't we transition? It definitely is. Why don't we transition now into some of your husbandry and, uh, cool. I, you know, with with uh, our main thing with Gecko Nation Radio is, of course, geckos. We talk about all kinds of reptiles and herbs, of course, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, most of the people listening tonight want to hear about leopard gecko stuff, so let's yeah. let's talk about your husbandry methods and um, basically how you keep your, how you keep the leopard geckos. Okay. Well, um, I started in tanks, just like probably every breeder out there. Uh, I had 10-gallon tanks mm-hmm. and 20-gallon tanks stacked all over the house, uh, and I realized how inefficient that was, and um, also how... Christine, hold on one second. Really. Christine is Christina, if you're listening to this, uh, you got to get rid of those tanks and get a rack already. Go ahead, Sean. <laughs> yeah. No, and you know what? And, and, and it's funny because uh, we, when I started getting away from the tanks, uh, I realized um, how, I, I can't say happy, uh, but how less stressed my leopard geckos became when, when I moved them into rack systems. Uh, and, you know, some people give me grief about it, saying it's inhumane. Well, look at where they live in the wild. They're in rock crevices and tiny little dark holes. They like tight, dark spaces. So with, it, right. with an aquarium, if you have a dark room, that's fine. It'll, it'll work for a while as long as you have it set up properly. And, and I've, done a, I've done a YouTube video on how to set up a 10-gallon tank for, for leopard gecko, and uh, that's on the Nightglow, uh, Nightglow Reptiles YouTube channel. Um, and I have one gecko in a tank. That's Lori's favorite baby. She stays in a tank. But my own rack systems, obviously, and most of my racks are, are hand-built. Um, uh, I do have some AP racks, um, uh, I've got some old, uh, I can't remember the name of them, they're like the barium something racks, they're old racks, uh, but most of mine are hand-built, and um, they're all on melamine. Um, I use 4-inch flex squat on the back. Um, I've, I've posted some pictures and, and some videos of my tub set up. Um, I, I'm, I'm a huge proponent of paper towel, a non-loose substrate, and I, and I don't want to start a debate with anybody, but that, it works for me. Uh, I don't have to worry about any impaction or anything. I'd rather not risk it. Um, and um, paper towel, um, you know, my, my hides are 
I had your styrofoam bowls with a little door cut in them and flipped upside down. They work great. Uh, I can talk them out every time I clean a tub, you know. Because if you have a plastic hide and it's in your it's in your enclosure, the gecko's going to poop on it. it for some yep. reason, they, they, they want to poop on the top of their house. So yep. the plastic bowl, the styrofoam bowl is great because every, ting- every single time they clean a tub, they, they get a brand new hide. Uh, so, and then we use, we use tea light candle holders. Uh, the Glenda from Ikea are the ones we've started using in the past couple of years. Uh, tea light candle holders have a glass thick bottom. They're very, it's very hard to tip over. Uh, food and water goes in there. Um, and, um, we have a moist hide on the cool side and the front of the tubs. Uh, we use Ziploc containers, uh, with a nice big hole cut inside and we use orchid moss. So the orchid moss goes in and we mist it down every couple of days just to make sure it's damp. You don't want it oversaturated. Uh, and you don't want it close to the back of your tub either because the humidity from the heat will build it up too much in there. You can you can get some RIs or respiratory infections or some uh, stuff like that. So uh, all of our adults are in 16 quarts, uh, 16 quart you know tubs in the rack system, and all of our babies and and, and juveniles up to 30 grams are in six quarts. Uh, once they hit that 30 gram mark, they go into 15 to 16 quart tubs. Um, and I have a huge reptile room in here. Well, it's not huge. It's it's big for me. It's a big enough reptile room to have, you know, seven or eight racks in there. Um, uh, and then uh, and that's pretty much the setup. Well, we feed mainly mealworms. Uh, mealworms is probably about 80, 80% of our diet. Uh, I do supplement with dubia and the lateralis roaches. And uh, when I have girls that are, you know, weighing into like the seven and eight clutches, uh, I usually get a bunch of hornworms, or not hornworms, butterworms, I uh, love butterworms for fattening up uh, females that have been laying. Uh, the, the, the smell of those things stimulates their appetite so well. I mean, they smell like, um, God, what they, they smell like some kind of fruit. The actual worms themselves, to me, smell like some, some kind of fruit. Um, and yeah. the geckos love them. Uh, but they're not too high in fat like a waxworm where they're going to get just wanting waxworms. They're not going to get addicted to them. Uh, they're high enough. They're really extremely high in calcium. They're probably the highest in calcium any feeder I think on the market. Um, but you're in, they're they're a little pricey. Uh, they have to import them from Chile, so they have to irradiate them to you know kill any bacteria. So you're gonna they're 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 not cheap, uh, but they're great for fattening up the girls after laying and stuff like that. So, but uh, but we swear by mealworms. I used to breed superworms. I swear by mealworms. Um, and then you know cleaning. Uh, God, it's it's a never-ending thing with cleaning. Um, David and I talked, and we're both. I can hear him cleaning, and I'm doing the same thing, and it just—it's a nonstop thing. I've had to break mine up into sections where it's like one or two days at a time. I work on a certain area, and and try to get it done. Um, and then we use uh, for our, um, our our calcium supplement. Uh, I know David uses Reptivite or use Reptivite, right? With calcium. Yeah, we use Rept- Reptile. Yeah, yeah, Reptile and Herptivite. Yep. Yeah, Rep- Reptile and Herptivite, that's right. And, and I've always used the Rapashi SuperCal. It has the ICB in it, so it has the D3 in it. Um, it it's it, it's always worked for me, and um, but so does yeah, the, the calcium. And, yeah, everybody everybody has their own. So it, you never you're never gonna have an exactly right answer when it comes to leopard geckos. So uh, it works for me, and and I use Bionate. Um, I dust uh, my feeders with Bionate, and every feeding I dust with the calcium powder, and I talk. David a little bit about this too. Um, I've actually been starting to add a little powdered vitamin A uh, into my my supplementation. Yeah, that's, yeah that's, uh, go into a little bit of depth about that, Sean, because that's interesting. Yeah, um, I was having problems with with sheds on certain geckos, and um, 
I had some eye problems. You get the eye caps or you get um, eye infections or, you know, it, it happens when you have this many animals. You're going to see issues with the eyes, and I've always noticed it. And, and Dave and I both noticed it in Max Snows, um, specifically more in Max Snows. So mm-hmm. um, I, I'm a Rapache distributor, so I would always get this stuff in and I, I would check out these samples, and I got this vitamin A powder. Uh, and I started researching it, and uh, a lot of people use it for their da- or their their dart frogs and amphibians to keep their their skins uh, soft. Um, so I thought, okay, well let me let me do a little more research and make sure it's not harmful to the leos. Uh, and when I started adding that, I start getting better sheds, less eye caps, less eye issues, uh, no eye infections, um, and I haven't really actually seen any issues with my babies either from those parents. Um, you know, no overdeveloped or underdeveloped eyes or um, or crinkles. And most of that usually comes from incubation, fluctuation temperatures. But I've gotten less and less results once I started using the vitamin A. Uh, and it's, I just use, I mean, for whenever I feed, I have probably 200,000 mealworms in a tub. And I'll put maybe uh, two teaspoonfuls in with my normal you know, calcium. Um, I know 200,000 mealworms is not normally what everybody's going to use in one feeding, but that's, you know, to scale, that's that's about the best I can I can do on that. So you can't overdose them on the vitamin A. I don't think you can give them too much. I wouldn't just dose them with it, but I have right, noticed right. the sheds are a lot better. Their skin seems a lot, it's a lot softer. Um, it, it, they shed a lot easier, and I don't get the eye issues at all. I haven't seen one in a while, so. Interesting. Um, yeah, I've had a few with eye issues this year. It's a, you know, I think every year I probably get like five geckos that have yeah, either I mean, no eyelids or something. something yeah. Up. Yeah, and that's that's stuff, that stuff happens. Yeah, it's out of hundreds too. Yeah, and that stuff happens. That's just a normal occurrence. Um, um, but I, the biggest thing with me was the sheds. Um, we all have geckos that have bad sheds. You can put a moist hide yes. in there, and it can, I mean, it, 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 the gecko can sleep in that moist hide for two nights and still have a bad shed. It's just some geckos don't shed very well. Um, so when I started using this, I, I started with those geckos first, and I noticed a huge, you know, a huge difference. So now it's just part of my routine, um, and, you know, I've had really good results with it. So it might be something for you guys to try if you're having a gecko with, with tough sheds. Uh, just try a little bit of vitamin A powder uh, in with their calcium. And uh, see if it works. Uh, give give them a couple of sheds, and it should should work. Yeah. And and what about? Have you ever heard of any? You know, like with uh, silky dragons, they put that uh, that moisturizer on them. Now I've heard some yeah, people the, the, use the, like the silky organic. Yeah, and I've heard some people use organic olive oil and stuff. I mean, um, yeah, do you think anything I mean, like that could help? Well, it, it, what I used to do for geckos that had toe sheds, you know, toes with just their feet, uh, I would use mineral oil um, and just mm-hmm. with a Q-tip and, and rub the mineral oil on it until it softened it. And then I'd kick every single toe clean with tweezers. Uh, that's time-consuming. But you have to do what you have to do, right? So, um, But mineral oil will will loosen it up. So if you, if you have a gecko that has really bad, you know, uh, sheds on their feet, if you just put a little bit of mineral oil on the bottom of a, a cup or something and let them stand in it for a few minutes, mm-hmm. it'll soften that up really easily. And the mineral oil can't hurt them. Uh, it might clean them out if they lick it up because it's actually like a laxative to the leopard gecko. Um, that's <laughs> what we've used for rescues for impaction, uh, mineral oil. Mm-hmm. Uh, it'll clean it'll clean sand and everything else right out of them. Um, 
but uh, and that's another thing. You know, we take in, we take in rescues, and we used to take in a lot of rescues, but we don't do that anymore. Um, and we usually we usually get those uh, those guys back up and running and dock those out to either um, you know uh, universities here for educational or uh, uh, to you know to kids and stuff like that. So. Mm-hmm. But oh, that's cool. But that's pretty straight. That's pretty straightforward on the husbandry. I mean, the the biggest thing is, and then there's there's a misconception that you have to have your tubs sterile like constantly. Um, I've actually kind of I, I kind of I don't agree with that. I think you can have Me your neither. tubs too sterile. Like if you continually clean your tub, it's like not letting your kid go out and play in the dirt. You're not those 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 geckos aren't going to develop the antibodies and the immunities that they need to fight off infection. Um, I'm not saying let crap pile up in your tub where you can't see you know inside the thing, um, but cleaning a tub every day it also stresses the gecko. You're also going to get they're not going to eat as much if you're constantly moving them in and out of the tub every single day. Uh, so right. you know once every two once every two weeks we do a really good through the room cleaning. Uh, if somebody makes a huge mess on spot cleaning it, you know, because every once in a while they'll they'll decide to sleep in their water bowl or, you know, they're crazy. So they'll flip over a water bowl and the whole thing will flood and, and the worms get in the water. That's the worst thing when the worms get in the water dish. The smell is just, if you know the smell, you know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. Um, Unmistakable. Then, uh, but, but I don't think that, uh, I don't think that it should be in sterile environments. Um, I, I think that a little bit of that's not going to hurt them. Uh, and it may be controversial, but you know it, it's it seemed to be you know working for me. And um, I, I know a lot of the other big breeders kind of are along the same lines. Um, you know they'll they'll leave it in there for a couple of weeks, even with the babies. Uh, I think it helps build up those those, those immunities. So well, you know the, uh, we can we can say that of course you know you know as far as cleanliness, every breeder does things a little differently. But as far as oh, absolutely yeah, I mean if I'm taking breeder tubs and if I'm you know moving geckos from one tub to another, I'm going to, you know, use the tub for a different group. I sterilize the hell absolutely. out of it. I have a crazy, oh, absolutely. Yeah, I have a crazy regime. But, no, no, you know, no, you're, 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 you're right absolutely too. right on that. Yeah, I'm, I'm not saying that. If you're, if you're putting, like, when we, do, when we do shows, our cups, those, we have labels for the tubs and for the cups. The same gecko, even though it's sterilized, the same gecko goes in the same cup that it was, it was in from the beginning, from a new cup yeah. out of the plastic. They get cleaned, yep. and, and we actually we use Listerine. We've used chlorhexidine. Listerine is an antiseptic, an antifungal, antibacterial. Uh, it it can't hurt them, um, but they go in the same cup. Um, and actually, the tubs that we have in between are cleaned. So, like when the gecko comes out, it goes into a cup. The tubs are cleaned, sanitized, sterilized, or whatever, and then it goes back in. Um, but I, I'm, what I'm saying is. They don't need to be cleaned every day. In other words, if your gecko poops in the corner one day, you don't need to take it out and sterilize the whole thing that same day. And you don't have to do right. that every single day. Uh, I, I don't. I do believe in the cross contamination thing. Uh, even in my own collection, I have a closed collection. My leopard geckos, like I said, I only I'll only bring in geckos from certain breeders that I know and I've done business with and trust. But and you can't. Uh, you just can't. You can't take one and throw it in another tub. And, and you, I'm not saying don't clean your tubs like, you know, to make them clean like that, sterilize them. But uh, I don't think you should clean it every single day. I don't think it's good for the gecko. Uh, and it's, like I said, it's an opinion. And I'll probably get some backlash from it a little bit. But 
what you're talking about yeah. is like sterilizing from moving from cup to cup and things like that. Absolutely. I, I, I'm 100% yeah. behind you on that. I just think that some people, and, and I get a lot of this because I get a lot of customers who buy younger geckos. And I won't sell anything unless it's 15 grams or better. But I do get a lot of people that get younger geckos from me, and they'll say, okay, well, it was eating, and now it's not. And I'll ask them, I have to go through this checklist. And one of the biggest things is how often are you cleaning the tub every day? And I'm like, you're cleaning it out, like, entire thing out every single day. And they say yes. And, and that's when they stop doing that, the gecko usually starts eating again. Uh, mm-hmm. And so there is a stress level that has to go into it, especially for younger geckos. Um, but, yeah, usually usually we go through, I spot clean constantly. I mean, that's a never-ending job. But going through and sterilizing and sanitizing every two weeks. It's like okay. we have a We have a caller we can grab here. Let's take this last caller. Sure. Um, Caller from the 508 area code. You're live on Gecko Nation Radio. Hi, guys. This is Rachel. Hi, Rachel. Hi, Rachel. All right. Well, I figured now that you're talking about general husbandry, um, I'm kind of a gecko newbie. So Mm -hmm. I wanted to ask a few questions, I guess, about, well, since you were just talking about sterilizing, what do you use? Because I've been reading up, and it seems like nothing is effective against everything. So I'm really confused as to what is, I should use it. Should I be using like well, a combo when I need to sterilize or what? Well, plutonium. You know, liquid plutonium. Yeah, exactly. See, no. people, this is, a, this is the thing. You're not going to get a correct answer. You're going to get answers of people, what works for people. Like for me, it's I've used everything from vinegar and water uh, to chlorhexidine, which is noble sand, uh, to now I've been using Listerine for the past few years. Um, and actually a boa guy, a, a friend of mine that breeds snakes, switched me over from chlorhexidine to Listerine. Um, and it, it's, it's, it all does the same job, honestly. The chlorhexidine is what vets use to clean their vets' offices and cages and kennels and things like that, and you can dilute it. Um, but, again, nothing's going to kill everything. Um, a lot of people now are switching to those little handheld steamers. I think that's a great idea. Uh, you know, you, you get it all at one time. You don't have to worry about wasting all the paper towels, wiping everything out. Use that steamer and just, like, power wash the inside of your tubs, and, and the high temperature will kill all the bacteria. Uh, but me personally, Listerine has worked for me for so long, um, but that's what I've stuck with. Um, and, David, I think, David, you, you use chlorhexidine, right? Uh, I do a completely different regimen. What I do is, and I don't use chlorhexidine. What I do is, uh, you want to write this down. <laughs> first, I take the tub out. And <laughs> first, I take the tub out and I clean it and scrub it in high temperature water and with um, antibacterial dish soap. Then, I take the tub and I spray it down with pure ammonia. Okay, and I let it sit overnight. And then after that, I scrub, I rinse it clean again with high temperature water, and then I steam. I steam clean it with a steamer. I uh, have high temperature, you know, it's very high temperature steam, and basically that'll just kill whatever is in there, anything. Yeah. And at the, at that point, um, you know, depending on the weather, I may let it sit outside in the sun, or I may, you know, just you know let it dry out, and that's usually what I do to to get my tubs clean and. It may be a little bit eccentric, maybe a little bit too much, but you know what? It makes me feel good, and that's, that's what sleep. matters. I can sleep. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, anything, anything that, ways. yeah, any, anything that you're, you're like what David's talking about too is, 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 is the thing is antibacterial. Um, 
something that's going to be transmutable from gecko to gecko is not going to be bacteria. It's going to be a parasite or a virus or something like that. But I don't even know right. if geckos can get virus like that per se. But it, honestly, like David said, the, the high temperature of the water, whenever we do whenever we do our like full like hardcore cleaning, then yeah, we we use the uh, you know hot water and things like that. But but I've always found the Listerine to to you know. It, it cleans everything because the porous is actually uh, the plastic's porous. Uh, even though it looks smooth, it's still porous. It's going to hold some oh, of yeah. that stuff. So anything that's antibacterial, yeah. antifungal, uh, any, anything along those lines that's safe for the gecko. That's the main thing. It has to be safe for the gecko. And what David does is, is absolutely safe for the gecko. Listerine is fine. You, you're making sure you're cleaning it out. Even the chlorhexene you use, you want to make sure it's dry before you put the gecko back in there. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm 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 not sure you know other people have other ways of doing it but you'll get a good uh, like I was saying there's like no right answer but you'll get a good uh, broad spectrum of what everybody else does to clean. Um, yeah, I had been using the uh, chlorhexidine, but I was mm-hmm. doing some more reading and I realized it wasn't really effective against everything. And then I had heard about the steam cleaning thing, so maybe mm-hmm. I'll look into that in the future. But Thanks for yeah, that. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm actually thinking about getting one of those little portable handheld steamers and giving that a, yeah. uh, giving that a try, too. Yeah. So, um, and we've but, all right, yeah, I do have one more question, if you got time Hold for on one. one. Absolutely, Rachel. I just want to mention one thing. We have to give credit where credit is due, and the steaming method is was brought to us by John Scarborough from Gecko Ball Reptiles. So thank you, John, for, yep. for, ah, yeah. for giving us that idea. From John. Yep. All right, the other question okay, I had about um, is humidity. Because I've heard a lot of people say it can lead to respiratory infections, and I live right on the coast, and it is pretty much always humid here. So yep, I was worried. Absolutely. I mean, what is too much? Well, I mean, you don't want everything oversaturated. Uh, like I'm, I'm from, I'm, I'm from uh, near Galveston, so I'm, I'm, I know what humidity is. It sucks. But <laughs> I'm in Dallas. I'm in Dallas now, so it's not as humid here. It's, it's, a, it's more of a dry heat kind of thing, but. A lot of the people that I've seen, I, see, I even see videos of this on YouTube, of them just soaking down their leopard gecko enclosure and spraying their gecko. Um, geckos, have, they're from an arid environment. Um, if you can localize their humidity to that moist hide, even though the air humidity you may have may be kind of high, with your undertank heat pad and your heat source, it should dry that air out enough, uh, being in an enclosed um, area. Um, you don't want to basically soak down your paper towel and leave it cold. It's also when temperatures get too low. Um, that's right. when everyone can see respiratory infections. And it's not really that common in leopard geckos. Uh, you don't see a whole lot of it, but it can happen if you do it constantly. Um, so if you're, it's not a crested gecko. You don't want to keep the humidity at like 90% inside the enclosure <laughs> all the time or chameleon. Yeah. Uh, but there's some people that will just, I've seen it, they'll just take a spray bottle and just, that's how they give their geckos water and just spray everything down. Uh, now I know geckos will drink dew in the mornings uh, off of, you know, leaves in the wild and things like that, but it's not like drenched and cold. Um, that's what you yeah. want to kind of avoid. Um, so the humidity and the, I mean, it, if you if you if you had a uh, hydrometer uh, to put inside your tank, uh, if it, if it starts getting in that 70 and 80 percent range, they actually have these little um, containers that you can put in your enclosure that absorb the air moisture, and it's it's sealed up so it's non-toxic to the gecko. I can't remember the name of it. I've seen somebody use these before. Uh, and if you have an enclosed lid, like a screen lid in a 10-gallon tank or even in the tub system, it's great for bringing the humidity down in, in, in terrariums and vivariums and things like that. Oh, okay. Um, well, but, thanks for the tip. 
Uh, no problem. All right. I'll All keep right, an eye on that. In, thanks very much. Yep. Thanks, Rachel. Cool. Hey, well, Sean, whenever you whenever you use this Listerine, do you just you spray it in the tub and then wipe it out? Is that what you do? Um, actually, I rinse the tubs out first, like kind of like what David does. Uh, and then I use that as like a topical. I, I scrub everything out. Uh, I have these scrubber things. Um, they're not like abrasive. Uh, but I'll, I clean everything out first, all the fecal matter, if anything's right. stuck in there. Uh, and I do this with my dishes, too, a hot water treatment. Uh, not steam, but pretty close to it. Um, my hot water heater's cranked up pretty hot. So, um, right. And then I use it as a, as a like you would a chlorhexidine, uh, like a cleaning agent. Uh, spray everything down, right. wipe it down really good. Everything gets saturated, and then everything is let air dry. And then yeah. everything goes back okay. in. But see, people, you have to do this. You have you, you have to do this with your moist tides too. You you can't just do this in your tub, or your your you have to do this with your dishes. Uh, when we talk about right. cleaning tubs, most people think, okay, we're anything you reuse, the tub. anything it uses, anything that it can get on, it can crap right. on, it drinks out of. Everything has to be done the same way. Uh, and and, right. and it's you know there, there's some people that have them on an all naturalistic environment, but. Uh, in a tub situation, that's important because there's such an enclosed area that, that, that bacteria and fungus, it can grow really quickly. Right. So it's, it's really uh, it's necessary to make sure everything's clean. Now, the good thing with orchid right. moss is it doesn't mold, and that's the reason I use it. It doesn't have an odor. It doesn't mold. Um, so usually what I do is um, after that two weeks, it's, it's gone anyway. Uh, it, it gets thrown away. Right. But in that two-week time period, it stays wet and it doesn't mold at all. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Cool. All right. Hey, listen, we're coming to the end of the show. Um, uh, I might go into a little bit of overtime with the with the closing remarks and the and the song I'm gonna play for us at the end. But uh, uh, Sean, uh, great episode, man. You really we got a lot of a lot of stuff out. Um, and I'm sure we could have kept going on for hours and hours. I mean, you really know what you're doing, and uh, <laughs> you got a lot going on, dude. You really do. How do you well, feel about you know, the, how the show went? Yeah, it was great. It was great, man, and, and the one thing I want to let you know is that the reason that I'm where I am now is because of people that I started asking questions, and I don't know everything, and if you think you know everything, you should stop doing this. Uh, you, all, you always have to keep learning, and you always want to ask questions. Exactly. Lean on, your, lean on your peers. We're all peers. The person who has one leopard gecko is still my peer if I have 500 leopard geckos. We're, we're in this for, for the love of the animals. And we need to help each other. I see a lot of drama and stuff like that. And I, I, I don't get involved with it. I don't think it's necessary. Um, the new people that are coming in, we need to embrace them like we were when we were new. Um, we were all new and we all started somewhere at the beginning. We all started with that one leopard gecko. We have to remember that, you know. Um, some of us need to step back and say, okay, I didn't know half the stuff that some of these guys that are just starting knew, you know. Uh, the age of information is there. Um, the information is out there. Uh, you can get false information too, but ask questions. Uh, that's my biggest piece of right. advice. Just ask questions. Lean on the people that are going to help you, and we're all willing to help. Um, and you know, we get the "what is my morph?" question constantly, and we'll still answer them. Uh, it's part of it, you know. And uh, mm-hmm. just just remember, the bigger guys just remember where we started. And I'm not one of the big guys. There's a lot of bigger guys than me. I'm. Everything's still in my house. I'm a hobbyist. I love what I do. Um, but I, And I still ask questions. I still learn stuff. And um, I'm still trying to learn stuff. So, And that's what makes it so fun. Um, we, I keep the fun in this, you know. 
when it's not fun, then there's a problem. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, if it's so, not fun, yeah. you're done. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> if you're not having fun, it's not for you. I mean, really. Uh, yep. And you know, we have we have a great group in in our our Facebook group, and a lot of people that are are there to help you. And um, you you'll you'll see me go ask questions constantly. I don't know it all. Nobody does. So every mm-hmm. single person that you meet, every single person that you meet in this entire world, that person knows something you don't know. No matter what it is, That's they right. know something you don't know. So don't be afraid to ask. Don't be timid. Ask the questions, and uh, you know, learn some stuff. That's, that's it's, absolutely. We're all learning. So. Yeah, and yeah, I say you know try to align yourself with other like-minded, positive people. I mean, that's uh, yeah. that's the way you're gonna enjoy it the most. And you know, like like you're saying, yeah, don't try to work together. Yeah, and you and you will actually probably get better feedback if you actually come in with doing a little research yourself. I'm not saying go ask every single person. You know, every time you have a question, go ask somebody and post a picture on on the on the forum. Um, there's a lot of information out there. You can gather information from different sources. A lot, you know, Ron Trimper's books are a good place to go. The the forums on Facebook, Gecko Forums, of course, has years of of, of posts and knowledge on it. And you're not always going to get a really clear answer. But if you come in and ask somebody that's been breathing for a while and you're educated and you, you, you've done the research and you show them that you actually are interested in this, you're going to get a much better response. Mm-hmm. Um, and and, and I'm, not saying, I'm not saying hide from it, but when I'm, I'm just, you know, if you come in showing that you've actually done a little work, because this is work. Keeping this many geckos is work. It's like having a second job. It's still fun. It's a fun job, but it's not all unicorns and rainbows. Um, it's it's work. <laughs> and if you're, if you're not going to take the time to go research a couple of easy questions, then sometimes the people can be less than willing to help you in the long run. You know, um, right. you've got to show that you're you're committed to doing this. I mean, we we enjoy this, so uh, we want. Right. If you're coming into it, we want you to enjoy it too. That's true. No, that's that's well said. That's that's basically uh, how it is. I'll just add that uh, to that last part that you said. You know, when people will lose patience with you if you're asking, you know, newbie questions that you could that you should have learned on your own by buying that resource, buying that book. We, we always recommend uh, at least if you're starting out, buy Ron Tremper's book. It'll answer 95% of all your beginner questions, if not more. And then from that Absolutely. point on. Yeah, from that point on, you're going to have the basic knowledge. And then there are questions after that you're going to have. And then once you're at that level, people judge you by, you know, what questions you're asking. They know what level you are at by what you're asking. So once mm-hmm. you gather that basic knowledge, then you'll be asking the questions that, you know, even I'll be asking and Sean will be asking. You'll be on the, you'll be on the next level and you'll, you'll get more respect, that's for sure. And it just seems that absolutely. Way, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But, but I mean, I, you know, we're not going to disrespect anybody that doesn't come in and do that. Right. But it's right. just it's just my advice to somebody who's starting. If you want to get a better start in it, that's the way to do it. Yep. Do some research on and your own. Show that you're seriously. actually absolutely you'll be taken more seriously. That's the best way to say it. So, yeah, uh, because yep. I'm, I'm I don't I don't have a problem talking to anybody. We were all noobs, every single one of us. Mm-hmm. We were all a newbie. And uh, exactly, our experiences up to this point have kind of shaped how we how we see this hobby and. 
Um, you know, I, there was a lot of people that turned me away and thought I was an idiot and things like that, but I was persistent and I did my research oh, yeah, and I stayed too. on top of it. And yeah, I mean, so if you if you're gonna get frustrated with a couple of people asking you to go to research a question, this is again, you probably need to go into a different hobby. Uh, it's it's not a you, you've got to show commitment to this. Uh, it's oh, yeah. it's like I said, it's a lot of fun, but it's work. And if you don't enjoy it, then you, you're not doing it right. So. Yeah, that's true. Well, yeah, Sean, I have, why don't you I have to say, with, so with me being new, I've, I've. Go ahead. I'm sorry, Dave. No, go ahead, Daryl, and then we'll have Sean uh, give us give us his information so they can find it. Yeah. Cool. Now I, I just have to say, with with Dave's group and and everybody that I've talked to in the short time that I've been doing it, I haven't had any any problems with anybody. Everybody's always been very helpful and. Yeah, we've and got a good willing to. Yeah, so if you if you're not getting the answers you want, you're not you're you're not at the right place. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we, we've got a really good group of people. So. Yeah, it's like a bit like an extended family in a lot of ways. Absolutely, sure. absolutely. Yeah. It's getting bigger and bigger every day too. So. <laughs> cool. We'll get to that five thousand mark pretty soon. Oh, okay. See, you're you're going to have to three months. See, you know what? You know what, David? I'm going to have to do something here. I'm going to have to call you out on something real quick before we end. Uh, whenever uh, we're, I'm, in, I'm in another group called Houston Reptiles with Adrian and Laura Berg, uh, Crossbird Corns, and uh, he did a little bet whenever we got to 1,500 members. How many members are we at in, in uh, Gecko Nation right now? All right. I'll tell you right now. One second. We are at, yeah. 40, got the page up, 23, 23 something. 23 yeah, something? 23, 2378. All right, let's yeah. hit 2,500. Let's hit 2,500, and then you have to eat a dubia roach on video. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, you know, you know how allergic I am to these things? I, I, okay, well, let's, 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 let's not do a dubia. Let's do like a hornworm. Let's do a hornworm. How about that? A hornworm. It's nice and juicy. Uh, no, I, I want to watch that. Yeah, we can we can go promote the crap out of it. I bet we'll have two hundred people join real quick if you'll uh, if you'll uh, commit to eating a hornworm on video. If we hit twenty five hundred members, well, check it out. That? I gotta be careful because I'm really allergic to some of these things. I'm I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. I tell you what. Go ahead. You promote it. You promote it. We hit twenty five hundred members. I'll eat the dubia roach. How about that? You'll eat the dubia, and I'll eat a wax. How does that sound? Oh, you'll eat wax. Well, man, I eat wax worms for snacks. Come on, man. I pop mealworms in my mouth. Let's, let's eat something big, fat, and juicy. Let's get something big, fat, and juicy going on, you know, something that'll squish in your mouth. A little substance. Uh, do I have food, or can I just drink it? That is great. Yeah, you that is great. It. You got to chew it. I got to chew it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I think that's a good thing. Uh, let's see. Okay, let's see. I, let's see. It's May, what? What's, what's today's May? May 17th? Mm-hmm. 18th, 18th. 17th or 18th. All right. Let's say by June 1st, if we get 2,500 members, I'll eat a hornworm or a dubia, and then you have to eat something fat and juicy that you're not allergic to, and it's going to make you puff up and stuff. How about like, a butterworm? <laughs> a butterworm? Yeah. Butterworms taste good, man. Butterworms aren't gross. <laughs> well, it's butterworms are gross to me, dude. I don't eat bugs. Huh. What about a cricket? Yep. What about a cricket? <laughs> Okay, yeah, you can eat a cricket. You can eat a cricket. I won't eat you, you can eat a cricket, yeah. You can make, and it can't be a little, like, pinhead cricket. It's got to be a full-grown adult chirping monster cricket if I'm going to eat a dubia. Yeah. With wing, yeah. All right. Deal? Deal? All right. But they, we got, okay, but we got to have 
2,500. Of course we'll have 2,500 by June 1st. Oh, we'll have 2,500 by next week. week. Yeah. Let's do it. it. I think you ought to do 3,000. Yeah, let's make it a better one. 3,000. How about 3,000 by July 4th, by the 4th of July? Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. 3,000 by July 4th. I'll eat the doobie and we'll make you eat a little tiny cricket or something. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that's, uh, that's, that's a deal. deal. That, that is classic. Classic. <laughs> awesome. This is awesome. better than we, this is we better both, than the back. We both have to
Yeah, we'll hit 2400 probably well, by that, Tuesday or Wednesday, I would think. Exactly. It's you know it's that six degrees of separation. It doesn't take long. Right. It just grows exponentially. I know, I know, and it's such a great group too. Everybody's just really cool in there. Everybody's, uh, I don't know, it's just awesome. Yeah. It's, uh, I've never yeah. better than I ever would have expected it to be. I hope it stays this way for a long time. So, and that's that's. Oh, it will. You're doing a great job. To, it will. Yeah, it's thanks to the to the admins, thanks to the members. It's uh, it's all you guys uh, just being really cool with each other. So, um, yeah, it's sharing enthusiasm and information, and we're doing it the right way. Um, exactly. So. Well, uh, Daryl, I, I guess I'll let you go, and uh, I'll talk to you soon. How's that sound? That sounds good, buddy. Thanks for having me on. I enjoyed it. It was a blast as always. Awesome. All right. We'll have you back again as a co-host. You did a great job. I, I really appreciate your help. All right, buddy. Well, you have a great evening. All right. You too. Later. All right, folks. I'm going to go ahead and play the outro, and I'll come back with my closing remarks. Hang tight. Gecko Nation Radio is a David Fine Gecko's creation and production. You can visit the show's Facebook page at Gecko Nation Radio. I also have a great family-friendly group on Facebook called Gecko Nation. Apply for membership today. The jazz music you heard tonight was generously donated and created by Jeremy Turgeon of J&D Reptiles. Thank you very much, Jeremy, for the great musical pieces. You can check out Jeremy at J&D Reptiles on YouTube and on Facebook. And a very special thank you to our news anchor, graphic designer, and audio tech, Steve Barker. All the graphics, audio sponsor plugs, and music overlays or assembled by Steve. Check out Steve on YouTube at BC Barker Creations. He has some terrific videos for the herp community with amazing geckos and snakes. Please support the U.S. Herpetocultural Alliance and U.S. ARC. Gecko Nation Radio is proud to support both of these organizations. Please donate to U.S. ARC so that they have the funds needed to legally protect pet owners' rights nationwide. You can donate to the U.S. ARC Legal Defense Fund at www. .usarc.org. If you would also like to learn about advocacy and how you can take action on a state and local level, please subscribe to the U.S. Herpetocultural Alliance newsletter and blog at www.usherp.org. All right, folks. Uh, I just want to thank everybody. We had a great turnout in the chat room tonight. We had like 18 people in there. Uh, that's fabulous. That's an excellent turnout. I want to thank everybody that called in tonight. Uh, we had Elsa, Heather, Jeff, Angela, and Rachel. Great questions, everyone. I also want to take this time to thank everyone that's been supporting the show on Facebook, helping to share the post and the Facebook page. You guys rock. Uh, we are Every week we reach a bigger and bigger audience, and the show continues to grow, and the group continues to grow. Everything is surpassing my just wildest expectations. So I hope it just continues to go as good as it is, and uh, I just love the energy. And uh, our guest tonight is an example of somebody that has the right energy for this, uh, the right enthusiasm, and the level of commitment that you need in order to take this to the next level and to really uh, take it to that higher uh, part and keep doing it right. So Sean's awesome. And, uh, again, I had a great co-host tonight with Daryl. That's pretty much it for my closing remarks. Just just space just thank yous for tonight. Uh, next week... We have a great episode. We have Paul Morlock from Rackhouse. We're going to talk all about gargoyle geckos. All right, we've never really devoted a show entirely to 
gargoyles. All right, they're fascinating. They're a lot like crested geckos in their care. Um, but nowadays, people have been able to really diversify them and really get some interesting colors and patterns going. Got some beautiful red stripes, all different colors, and really nice-looking geckos. And Paul specializes them. I see in a lot of the the shows I attend at the East in the East Coast. He's a really cool guy. So definitely tune in next week. All right, folks. And uh, also want to remind everybody: last week's show with um, Brian Barcheck is is being downloaded ridiculous amount of times. Brian told us about his plan to make Animal Bites TV, and it's really exciting what he's got going on. So if you didn't catch that show, check it out and hear what he's up to. I think he can pull it off really well. And being that we had two country bumpkins on tonight from, for the show from Texas, I am going to play a really cool country song that reminds me of how it was when I was a kid. So... I'm going to let everybody go now, check this out, and I'll see you all next week. Take care, folks. Saw Star Wars at least eight times, had the Pac-Man pattern memorized. I've seen the stuff they put inside Stretch Armstrong, yeah well, I was Roger Stahlbag in my backyard Had a shoebox full of baseball cards And a couple of evil Knievel scars On my right arm Well, I was a kid when Elvis died And my mama cried it was 1970-something In the world that I grew up in Bear Fawcett hairdo days Bell bottoms and A-track pace Looking back now I can see me Oh man, did I look cheesy I wouldn't trade those days for nothing Oh, it was 1970-something The dawning of a new decade We got our first microwave Dad broke down and finally shaved The most sideburns off I took the stickers off of my Rubik's Cube Watched MTV all afternoon and My first love was Daisy Duke and them cut-off jeans Space shuttle fell out of the sky And the whole world cried Those days for nothing.
to him. Oh, it was nineteen something. Ah. Uh-huh.